What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Granny's Peach Tea, episode 137. That's right. We're entering another dimension tonight. Wow. We got the Beastie Boys Intergalactic to go ahead and kick us off. Because, Jason, this is like the biggest show we've had in a while. This this is this is big. And I, I'm going to say, Ed, the only way it could have been better is if we started off with cats. Because this was our only opportunity to start off with cats ever in the history of this show. I love the Beastie Boys. It's like the fourth Beastie Boys song we've done. Where are the cats, Ed? Where are the cats? I, I, I couldn't re- I couldn't resist them. And if you, you throw me the opportunity <laughs> to go with like Beastie Boys, you know, or Wu Tang or Run DMC or Metallica, I, I can't pass it up. So I, I just I, I, had I to. understand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us as always uh, on this Tuesday evening. Uh, if you're joining us on the Facebook live stream. Or the X live stream because we are actually not live on Twitter, but the episode will be uploaded right away due to some behind the scenes jargon that doesn't really matter. But we will be uh, we will be back on YouTube. Us. Yeah, probably tomorrow. So check us out then. Uh, yeah, we're excited to talk about it. Uh, we got a lot of stuff. We got Invincible season two, episode two. We got the series finale of Doom Patrol. We got the potentially series finale of Loki. I mean, we'll get into more details of that. It is definitely yeah. the season finale. We'll just put it that way. And we got the Marvels. We got a brand new MCU movie. And we will be discussing the state of the MCU to wrap up this one. So the movie is not the headline of this week. But let's get into it because we got so much. I'm Ed, and with me as always is Jason. Jason, what's up, man? How, how you doing? Hey, good to be here. Glad to be talking about new MCU. It was great to go see this movie the other day in the theater. Uh, you know, crazy thing, Ed, we went to the theater. And I walked in that theater, and they had beer. They now serve beer in theaters. This is yeah. This is a new like th- what a brave new world we live in. I, you can buy pot for legally in this in this city. You can drink in the theater. <sighs> Some people say we're going backward, but maybe we're going a bit forward here. I agree. It is kind of wild to see that, right? Because you, like, that was the selling point for the Alamo theaters for a while. Like, oh, you can get beer and get, like, table service and stuff like that. But now, like, the other chains have caught up and they're like, screw it. All right, whatever. We'll send beer. We can't do the table service necessarily every time. Because I think AMC offers that at at some locations. But, I mean, they got that. I have my other issues with movie theaters right now and concession stands, specifically. Atlas Park, I'm talking to you, um, because I mean, there's some crap that just should be on there, and it's it's not. It seems like the popcorn is a challenge these days. Which movie theater popcorn is like a delight for everyone, but suddenly doesn't quite seem to. Jason, am I wrong? Like, I mean, you get popcorn quite a bit, right? Like, I know it's usually a hot dog or or popcorn for you. So, do you notice there's something off with the popcorn? Um. 
I mean, it's you know, popcorn is popcorn. Put enough butter on it, you know. It's it could be cardboard. <laughs> I'm eating if you put enough butter, enough butter on it, you know. Um, but you know, I, I could see a case could be made. I mean, it's a bit staler these days. It's exactly. uh, you know, it's not as fresh. It just, as I don't know. Be. It's it just seems a bit. I don't know. Like I feel like, and if anyone who's who's watching us like live right now, and you maybe work in a movie theater. Please drop us a note because I could be way off on this. I have no doubt about that. But it kind of just seems like maybe they used to throw a little salt on it. It seemed fresher or something like that. And now it's just like blah. And I mean, yes, I put a decent amount of butter on my popcorn. Thankfully, props to Tim for showing me the layering uh, thing years ago. No, because what I used to do is when I, I would eat popcorn in a the movie theater, I'd be all about it at the top. And as soon as that butter was gone, trash. I want the dough. Yeah. I'm like, this yeah. is crap. Um, but this is a way to evenly distribute the butter that Tim showed me. You fill it up halfway, shake it around, have them fill up the top, add some more, and you get proper butter distribution throughout your popcorn, whatever. But now it just seems like you have to like really destroy it. And I threw I added some salt last week and it tasted like it needs to. So I think that's my my theory is that there's no salt on it at all when they're actually popping it. That might be it. That might be it. Maybe there's been a lot of thought that's gone into this, Jason. You can tell. There's been a lot of theory. I appreciate this. <laughs> I let you have the graphs, you have the graphs, you have the charts. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go all like uh what's his face in uh uh always sunny on Charlie Day. <laughs> Charlie Day shit, like oh so here's the salt and here's the butter, here's the distribution, here's the popping. It's <laughs> It's it's a listen. I, hey, you got really limited. You go to the theater a lot, man. I I I thought about it the other day, and I'm like, holy shit. We went to see the Marvels in IMAX 3D, which we will talk about the experience because I actually saw it in mm -hmm. regular and IMAX 3D. Um, and I went again on uh Sunday um, yesterday morning to check it out for my second viewing. Uh, I'm gonna be seeing the new Hunger Games on Thursday with with my wife Angie, and I'm seeing Thanksgiving. On Saturday, four trips in one week. We're just over. Uh, yeah, that's a big movie week. That's a big movie. It's a week. big movie week because I feel like it's been kind of slow. I mean, oh, and also I saw Friday, Saturday. I went also. I, I saw that fucking dumpster fire. Uh, Friday nights at Freddy's, which, by the way, oh, Rick gets on was that here. bad? It was fucking terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Not just bad, Jason. It was terrible. And the biggest thing, what, what do me wow, and you okay. hate? What, what do me and you and hate about a film? What is the biggest cardinal sin for any film? Not sticking to the uh, reality it creates. That is true. All right. So what is the... No, the, the overall one, before we even get into it. It's, it's boring. It's a fucking boring oh. movie. Okay, yeah, that's not good. Oh my god, it was just you, like I feel like I went to the dentist, man. I found more excitement at the dentist than I have watching that. That's right. And you know, it's funny is my students are obsessed with this. I don't think they've seen it, but they grew up with this franchise. And I do like a theater class and we do we were doing improv and every other scene it's like they they're trying to like force a five nights at Freddy's. I act like scene i actually had to say we are no longer taking any doing anything in a pizzeria 
doing anything to do with animatronics. Stop trying to force this. The fact that this was a boring movie on top of it. <laughs> oh my god, dude, it's terrible. And it's like I, I just did it to like step out of the house because my wife was hosting our Friendsgiving book club, you know, book club Friendsgiving thing. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna step out nice. for a little bit. I don't need to be here for this. So I went around the corner and I went to see it because I had mild interest in it. And the PG-13 rating for a horror movie was a huge red flag for me immediately. And then it was just boring. It's never good. Yeah. It was like, you know, Junior's first horror movie. Oh, God. It's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, it's just, it, you would hate it. You would absolutely fucking hate it. You might even I'm get a sure fuck you movie out which... it. It might, it might get fucking Wow. I'm glad you told me that because I was curious about it. I was going to watch it when it eventually came somewhere that I that I can stream it without paying extra for. Now I know not to even bother. Thank you for that. Do you have Peacock? No. It's one, okay. one of the few that's, we don't, that's what it's streaming don't have. Yeah. All right. So whatever. And, yeah, and I thought about this, but then you're glad I forgot this, is that that is a video game. So that's sort of, I know we're loosely jumping on video game movies and shows. Uh, uh, so we could have, no, we've already, that ship has sailed already. There's no way in hell. I would not, dude, I'm yeah, your friend. I would not subject you to this now. I would not subject you to this. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. After the fact. Uh, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into it. And uh, before we truly get started with this one, uh, you can go ahead and during the broadcast, you can drop us, a star and that's a digital gift that helps us earn money for pop culture pros because that's who granny's piece t is presented by pop culture pros so go ahead and do that for us if you like what you're hearing and uh we're seeing then that's that uh all right let's get into it right away uh, first off we got invincible season two episode two let's drop up that spoiler ticker across the bottom because, you know, it has been out for less than a week, so we will do that. So, uh, Jason, what would you think uh, of the adventures of Mark Grayson this week? I'm I'm digging it. I like it. I like this episode. I like last week. I like this week. Um, what I'm digging so far is, is it looks like after this episode, like this season is dealing with the aftermath of Omni-Man. Not just what he did, but also the emotional aftermath, right? We see it in small places of Mark overcompensating and constantly wanting to be out there helping people, even if he really needs to kind of step back because he doesn't want people to think he's his father. Um, the handler is also like, you know, I forget the guy's name, but the guy who was Omni-Man's handler is now Mark's handler. Um, you know, he's kind of coming to terms with, well, how much do I do I count on Mark? Can I trust him? He's way more competent than this team. When do I use this team that I've put together, right? So there's that. Um, then there's his mother, who's obviously dealing with PTSD. She flips out on, like, a, a closet and, and, like, goes nuts on it because she's just been holding this up. There was this, this is great with the mother where she's like selling a house and this this husband is like shutting his wife down saying a girlfriend or whatever saying when it's my money when it's your money you have a say and she goes he's that's not your pet and you could tell that she's reacting yeah, to what omni man said back to what omni man said yeah and that's that was really i i feel really bad for the wife <clears throat> man like she's yep 
she's really gone through some shit because you can even see that scene where she talks to Mark about like flying around and you can tell she's kind of somewhat reminiscing of when I, that's what Omni-Man used to do is to take her around the world and they used to have like these romantic dates out of nowhere just like that and stuff like that and yeah it really fucking sucks man yes absolutely uh and and yeah and, and I like the fact that this season is taking the time to allow her to have her emotional reaction to this. It's not just about the action. It's not just about let's get to the interesting stuff. Because this is the interesting stuff too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. how would you deal with the fact if your partner was a super-powered psychopath who said that you were like a pet to them? How how would you deal with that after they were gone? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but I don't. <laughs> and then on... Yeah, no, exactly. And that's what I like that we actually get to see some insight into what she's going through. Um and and overall I think then then the 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 episode really makes it clear that we are cleaning up Omni Man's mess because the big conflict that Mark has to overcome is making things right with Aquaman's people. I don't remember what he's called in this world. It's Aquaman, it's the guy with the fish head. Yeah. We we get it, we know. It's it's you know, they're the yeah. Justice League. Right into the globe, whatever the hell you want to call it. Right. Um, and I I dug that. Like, because what you see, so first you have a small scene where he pretty much captures um, the son of one of the people who were killed by Omni Man, right? It's like the Batman mm-hmm. ripoff, not ripoff, but it's like the Batman person, but it's his son. He's out yeah. there, he's gone nuts in this, like, in, in the, da- the, do- the damned city, which is Gotham. literally damned to no sunlight yeah. ever. Gotham, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, it starts with Mark having to deal with that. Again, the what cleaning up Omni-Man's mess and then having to go down and he thinks he's going to marry the queen, but in reality, they want to have a trial by combat with this huge monster in the deep. Um, and he beats it and then it gets loose and starts to kill all the Atlanteans. And Mark actually goes against what the handler says. Handler says, no, that's their problem. They should have thought about that before they dredge it up, get out of there. And he's like, I, I can't leave them to die. And he goes down there and he plays the hero. And, and again, he's thinking in his head, I'm not my father. My father yeah, would what would, what would my father have done? Yeah, he would have been out in two seconds and said, see, so you're right. Fuck him. I'm done. So Exactly. Um, but he would, Mark doesn't do it and he, he makes things okay with them, but the the Cecil is like, you save them. That's good. Next time I tell you to cut and run, you cut and run. Don't question me. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to come back to uh, play itself out during the season where Cecil's going to pull the shit again and and Mark's going to shut yeah. that shit down. Um, yeah, I'm sure. By the way, so what is up with Immortal banging Duplicate? In the shower, in the that, place of the guardians of the globe. Why not? Why not? She's cute. He's old. <laughs> <laughs> They're both powerful. I don't know. <clears throat> and and what's his face is pissed Lode off is about furious. it because he had a thing for her. Rex, yeah, yeah. Rex, Rex Lode is furious about that. Seemed like very almost boys, honestly. Uh, of of him, and I and I know there's. I can totally see these two franchises crossing over, it, it, like for an episode, Absolutely. some weird episode. Yeah, and they're both doing similar things. 
things. They're both kind of satirizing the comic, you know, comic book stories and plots. It's you know, the boys is just mm -hmm. a bit more overt about it. Yeah, and um, yeah, they they're both doing like some solid stuff here. I think, and but you're right. It's almost like somewhat deconstructions of the superhero franchise, but like, <clears throat> you know, like you said, satiring it also. Um, but oh well, Mark also graduated high school, so that can that's right. Sort of that part can sort of be well, even though I'm sure he'll go to college and whatever. But um, I'm yeah. sure, yeah. Yeah, he will and we still get, try to remain with his girlfriend too. Yes, which I, I thought that was interesting because, like, part of this episode is him trying to like maneuver things so they don't break up. And when he goes into the deep, he's like, "Yeah, I can't marry. You. I've got a girlfriend." You see, like, he's explaining it like these fish creatures give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it also shows that hey, Mark, Mark is fully invested in this thing. Like, he's. You know, Mark's Mark's a good dude, man. I like it. No, I agree. I agree. Um, At least we also get some Mark. interesting. There are two other. This universe is Mark, which we'll get to at, at the at the end. Yeah. Um, but so there, there was something with Adam Eve, which I thought was interesting, uh, because she's kind of realizing like all of her going around and helping people is not as fruitful as she thought it was. And it's making her dad, if, and as we remember from the Adam and Eve show, her dad's the worst fucking parent in the world. Um, yeah. But it's making her dad, like, hate her even more because, like, he lost his job because of something she did. And she, again, her name's Adam Eve, so I think it's interesting. She makes a golden apple to give to them, and they refuse mm -hmm. to do it. They refuse to sell it. And I think there's, like, there's definitely some symbolism there. I'm not sure if, what the show exactly is trying to say there, but the fact that she's giving her father a golden apple and he's refusing it, <laughs> it's got to mean something. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping they get back to that more during the season because I actually know, I kind of did clock that too, but wasn't quite sure exactly where it was fully going either. Yeah, same. But like it wasn't by accident. They they focused on that for no. a reason. It's got to come back. Yeah. And um, the alternate universe, Mark? Which, uh, clever, because, again, like, we don't have anything from the alternate universe the entire episode. It's just at the end, and it's pretty much the, the villain. I forget his name, but the, the guy who has all the memories throughout all the universes. And he's just apparently going to alternate universes, capturing Mark, and... Or, or it, maybe sometimes Mark is captured. I don't know mm -hmm. if he captured him in this instance or not. But And he's just sort of interrogating him. He's learning everything he possibly can about every single Mark. <coughs> because <coughs> his plan is to go after our Mark. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, he's gathering all this insane intel, like, you know, again, to pretty much able to defeat our mark or like you mentioned like capture him defeat him whatever you want to do he's going to make him pay because he's holding him completely responsible for you know they you know all the shit that hit the fan in, in uh, episode one right and i'm excited to see this play out i'm glad that they've got like this villain that they're teasing out and leading up to something with because i'm interested and i'm you know they're doing a really good job about the 
sort of baiting us to like, okay, keep watching, keep watching. Um, and something of note, I love that Cecil and his right hand person are women in that universe. So that's how yeah. we know we're in a distinct universe. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. All right. Um, yeah, well, here's, I think this has got, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's probably six or eight episodes, I'm guessing, from Invincible. I didn't look up to see what the episode count was, but after this week, that's going to be our only show for a little bit. I know. I know. Kind of odd. Because we're saying goodbye um, today to, oh, say goodbye said to very special uh, today. Yeah, so that moves us on to Doom Patrol Season 4, Episode 12, which is the series finale. <clears throat> Not just the season finale. And yeah, Jason, this is the last time we're going to talk Doom Patrol. I mean, unless there's something crazy that happens that we have not seen. Yeah. And well, I'm going to say in Doom Patrol fashion, it didn't just stick the landing. It stuck the landing and then blew it up. Like, <laughs> like I, I could not, I could not have pictured a more perfect ending for this show. <clears throat> And um, I was the last we spoke about this on Friday, but I had to stay like very vague about it because you didn't see it yet. Mm -hmm. So we got some things right and we got some things we didn't really see. And I'm gonna give huge kudos to this show for taking for doing what this show has always done, and that's do something no other superhero show or comic book show would ever fucking do in a million years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I this show essentially, I mean, spoilers, this show kills most of the Doom Patrol, but it's a happy ending. That's the kicker. That's what that's that's what I didn't expect. Right. Most of them do die. Right. So like um, or go off like all of them die or go off like none of them remain. I mean, except for Vic, but Vic is, you know going to open a school now but like yeah. everyone else like um you know we'll, we'll get into it we'll get into the individual but the whole point is like how do you how do you make death matter in doom patrol you make it a choice or something you can't undo and they play with that because rita is the first one to go and the, as soon as rita dies they were like like Cliff is like, no, we're the fucking Doom Patrol. We're gonna go to hell and we're gonna tell everyone I've ever known to fuck off, and then we're gonna reach down Satan's ass crack and we're saving Rita. We can do it. And they could, of course, there's a Doom Patrol. They literally have done anything. How do you make it count? She doesn't want to come back. I mean, yeah. I didn't see didn't see that coming, that death would be a choice for some of them, and thus fulfilling their story arc in a beautiful way and still being a positive ending. Bravo to this show. Yeah. the Yeah. Rita Farr choosing to choosing death and said she's had enough. And she did hint at that. Uh, it was like two episodes ago. That's kind mm -hmm. of what she wanted. It was either the last episode or before that. Um, it is like a very poetic thing. And they, they play with it for they play it for a joke a little bit because this talk about you know she can be amongst the sex ghosts now and things like that but like it's very brief because it's Doom Patrol you had to like play with that a little bit but they don't make it a complete full on thing they dude this this episode was pretty fucking sad and well, yes I agree with very. you but a happy ending but 
it was like emotional. Like after she passes and their whole thing and they burn her body and it's like this blob and everything like that. And you know, again, it's played for jokes, but then they the rest of the team is sitting around watching um was it a secret rendezvous, her her big yes. movie there over and over and over because they are that sad and they miss her that much. That was like that was gut wrenching, man. It it was it was gut wrenching, and that the last meeting, the last group meeting they have, where she disbands the group, also gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. Um, there like the there's some serious moments, and I'll tell you something. I I teared up at the end of this, like the, in with Cliff, because like yeah. I think Cliff gets the most beautiful send off, like. And yet Cliff has the last line of the whole show uh, because Cliff's whole thing is so. All right, let's let's get into it because I, I we're jumping around and let's just go start to make it make sense. Start from the beginning. Um, <clears throat> the asses and Immortus are done in like five minutes because. Did you see that coming uh, though? No, I didn't. No, I did. I did not. And I did not see how it was going to resolve itself because they come in the the the. The ass and his girlfriend, who's the good guy, comes in and starts singing Shapoopy. And if anyone remembers, like, the beginning of this season, that was a thing. They were conditioned to the song Shapoopy. So they got really into it because they're also real, really big into fucking musicals. And Amortis goes, oh, no, it's not your show. It's my show. And she puts on the show to end all shows, the the, the Doom Patrol leaves and they just the whole building just sinks into whatever into, into the time vortex. She comes by later, like, oh hey guys, it's been about you know decades, centuries, but it's I gotta thank you for introducing me to the 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 asses. They they write poems about me. I they put on one man shows about me. This is great. Here's some of my toenails. I'm giving you your longevity back. And I was like, you know what? If any other show tried that i would have been like that's a cheat this show no it wasn't a cheat i thought it was just really a funny way to wrap up the immortus thing yeah and that's the thing i i was hinting at earlier that i was i give the show a lot of balls for doing is that whole because i mean i pretty sure i said the last episode i envisioned some like balls to the wall battle that was going to go on with the the butts and immortus and we were even you were even had mentioned like the big bads of the whole thing, which one would it be? That you wish we chose one, but they were also kind of like you want to know some fuck it, let them destroy each other, wrap each other up, and we're gonna fo- we're gonna focus on the actual characters and sending them off in the right way. Which I liked because again, this show does its best work when it's about the characters, and I think I would have been disappointed if it was a huge balls to the wall fight. Because it, we wouldn't have had time to have this beautiful send off for them all, and and they are every one of them has a great send off. Um, yeah, and um, like you had mentioned with, well, whatever. I, I guess we'll, we'll save that later. Yeah, because the cliff thing that that did get me. That that yeah, his his send off did get me, and Rita's actually did too. Yes. Um. So we'll start with Rita's. Well, I guess we'll we'll start with Rita. We'll end with Cliff. Right, which I think is what the episode does. So Rita, as we said, they, everyone gets their immortus toenails and they get their longevity back. They run up to Rita, Madame Rouge in particular does, and she's already gone. 
There's nothing they could do. They give that whole speech about getting her back. She comes to Cliff, uh, and it's like, you think that I'm most attached to the to things in this place. It's you guys. Let's have this meeting. Um, uh, she disbands the group, and now here's the big thing, right? They make the joke about the sex ghost, but I don't think her ghost is there anymore, and that's why she asked them to burn her body. It was permanent. It wasn't just... No, I'm not yeah. going to be kicking around here as a sex ghost. I I, I want to move on. It's time. Um, so they burn her body, have that Rita Farr marathon, and that's kind of the end for Rita until the end when we actually see her go to, I guess, heaven and meet the her lover from the back in the day from when she was went the back into the past and how she knows the ant farm. That's it. Um, and speaking of the ant farm, Rouge ends she poses this question to vic which i think is great um vic she goes to vic like some days i really feel i'm a good guy and some days i really know i'm not and can you be good and bad at the same time and he says yes you know the world needs people like that the world i used never used to think there was a gray area now i realize you know the gray area is important and you know the, her ending is great because she does a great thing in an evil way. She decides to put an end to the ant farm and all the pain they're suffering, causing the pain that she herself has caused. And how does she do it? <laughs> With a fucking flamethrower. <laughs> she literally takes a fucking torch to the entire place. Yes, and she's laughing maniacally as she's doing it. And I, I think that's perfect because that's that's her that's her character arc, right? She's a good guy in a wrestling to be a good guy and a bad guy. And well, you become an anti-hero, right? And that's what she kind of becomes in that moment. She's not good because she's murdering a bunch of people, but she's doing it for the greater good. So it's interesting and, and a really yeah. nice ending for her character. Um, no, fully agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, and if I'm missing anything or if you want to add something, Ed, just interrupt me because I know we got that delay. So <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I guess the, the, I guess the one for Jane, I was, you know, or Kay actually, cause she ends up going by Kay by the end of this episode, um, who is the kaleidoscope and they kind of cut that down to Kay there and it's, you know, fits perfectly with the character that that's who she's going by now. Um, her send off, I liked personally for her. I still feel like the whole thing with Space Case was still a little bit out of left field. I agree. Okay. I agree with that. So I wasn't alone <clears throat> on that one. Um, no, what I liked what I liked about her ending was she realizes she has the power of, and this is what we were talking about last week, she can use everyone's power that it's ever manifested because they all had their, if you remember Crazy Jane, all every altar had their own superpower. Um, and they kind of say, like, you can go out and be the fucking biggest, baddest superhero. And she's like, I just want to get, like, a nice apartment and paint. Yeah. And she wanted no what I liked, what I loved about, what's that? She wanted no part of the whole superhero thing. Like, she was just ready to retire that and hang it up. Right. And that's what I really enjoyed about her ending was... She just wants simplicity. She's over. She's fought her entire life, right? She's been fighting for decades, centuries, whatever. And now she's at peace, and she just wants to enjoy that peace. That's what I liked about her ending. 
yeah, the space case stuff, it seems a bit forced, though. She kind of just shows up, and then they go away together, and they kiss, and, uh, you know, that 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 needed to be more fleshed out this season for it to work for me, to be honest. Yeah, and we talked about that when it happened. It just seemed like that came out of left field and episode of two or go, and they kind of tabled it last episode, and now it's back, and it was just like, all right, well, we got space case. Let's... <clears throat> Kind of got to do something with this character, and it was just like fine. I guess it was a way for Jane to just truly disappear because they kind of just go off into the sunset together. Yeah, because they she they get she gets on her ship, and in a cute moment, like, oh well, your ship has a nice view, and it's about the size of a small apartment. I'll go paint yeah. on your ship, and it's cute, but uh, you know, I agree at a, at a left field, um, but a romance that was very well built up uh, was. Uh, negative man and Mohinder because though Mohinder's not in this episode you know negative man fulfills the not the prophecy but the image that him and Keeg had about Keeg leading him into the sun and it is in, in fact pays off the conversation he had with um I forget Keeg's the, the other creature I forget his name um, oh so it's negative but, you know, in the in the the negative spirit. That's it. When the negative spirit says, "No, you're gonna, you're gonna bear new life. You're, you're not gonna die in there." And and that's what happens because he decides that he doesn't want to be without Mohinder. And we know that Mohinder has turned himself into like a steel and gone to the bottom of the ocean. And so, like him and Keeg find him, scoop him up, and go into the sun to become whatever it is they're gonna become. And so again, like he's dead in a sense to us that body yeah. is dead right but but he it, it's still it's still a positive it's still a happy ending for him because he gets to be with the person that he he wants and again that was a really well done romance in the sense in the way that i wish they would have done with uh k and um the space case yeah i agree no the whole thing with you know and i know we love to joke about the mohinder thing uh, Mr. 104 and and, yeah. <laughs> um, and Negative Man. No, it, it works out beautifully, though, too. And they kind of go off, and that's it. But you're right. That's So that's, um, you know, Elastigirl's dead. Negative Man is dead. Um, you know, I, Jane and, you know, Kay is, Kay is alive, but completely gone off into, like, into the sunset on her, on her own as well. And you had mentioned... Uh, Cyborg goes ahead and opens up his school and is helping children, you know, helping the world in like another way. They don't say he's joining the Justice League or anything like that, which is why it was my big prediction for some time because it seemed like to me they were building that up. But this, I was cool with this as well. Yeah, I like, I mean, and of course, I'm a teacher, so I like this, but his whole like, you know, you, the world, you can change the world in here and not out there, not necessarily out what I was doing there. Like, I like that message, you know, the, the real, uh, the real heroes connect with, with, you know, people on a different level and inspire them instead of using brute force, which is also kind of what he wanted to do, right? Like, that's why mm -hmm. he stops being cyborg for a while, because he doesn't want to be a fighter. He wants to be someone who inspires, someone who can make a, a real difference. That's always been his arc. So I love the way that that paid off for him. And we know it pays off because we've seen his future in the last episode. So mm -hmm. I love that, too. Like, he does get the true happy ending. Or he's one of the few of them that get the true happy ending. 
Yeah. It brings us to Cliff Steele. Um, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, so, so, so many heartbreaking moments in the end here for Cliff. Um, because Cliff's got his he's got his his longevity back, and so he gets his car and he drives to his family, and he he gives he, he gives his car to uh, his grandson, and he's like, you know, it's gonna be a fixer up. I can help you. Your mother, she's really good. She can help you. Uh, and then as he's holding him, he has another like Parkinson's attack, and he freezes up. And he has this line, and this is, of course, the first time I was like, ooh, when he says, uh, it's because to his daughter, I'm sorry, I thought I was coming home to live, but I, I realize I'm coming home to die. And then he like gets in the car, and he looks, Immortus gives him, and, and again, beautiful like moment that Immortus give, gave to him. Immortus gives him this crystal and says, you'll know what to do with it when the time comes. And he hangs it up on the car that he's giving his grandson. He looks into it. And he sees his grandson's whole life, like in the future, like through that car. And, and that car is something that his grandson always has, like from his own, you know, high school to getting getting his license to to getting married, to running out on his kids like Cliff did, to yep. um, his mother dying, to his mother's funeral, to meeting his grandson in the same way Cliff met his grandson. And Cliff... Man, Cliff just has that last line. Like, give it, Ed. I can't. I'm, I'm going to tear up. No, I think go for it. You've earned it, man. Go for it. He, he's like, like, see, now I can't, now I can't think of it now because my, my brain is like, but he was like, you know, this, I'm happy, right? Like, it's something to the, the effect. It's like, he just, he gets, he gets everything he wants. It. it and he dies he's going to die but he gets the happy ending and i i my brain won't let me access what the fuck he says i'm sorry <laughs> it does that sometimes but um but yeah he but he but it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful send-off and i i'm really glad that he got the last word and i'm really glad that he got such a beautiful send-off because i think his character was the saddest like because he was a fuck up as a human being and he was a fuck up as a everything even after they brought him back. Agreed. And he was also the heart of the show at the yes. same time. Like as foul-mouthed yes. as as uh, Robot Man was, he was the heart of the team and the heart of the show the whole time. It, it was It's wild. They were able to like actually pull that off and make it, you know, believable. Right. Yeah, because again, he's a robot. <laughs> exactly. A foul-mouthed robot that is pretty much just wants his feelings back to for the most part, he insinuates to masturbate. <laughs> that's about it. Yes. Yes, that's, that is true. Well, I, for, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> um, and he does have that great moment where, where he has the feeling and his, his grandson mm -hmm. bites him and he, he reacts. Like That was such a great moment. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I definitely I agree that they stuck the landing with the series finale, and I've always found it very very difficult for shows to end on a proper note. Even some of the greatest shows of all time. Um. Uh, we've even said we both love Seinfeld, and Seinfeld, the last episode of Seinfeld 
it's not terrible. It's fine, but it's not like you know the re- it's not the best episode that they've ever had, and you know it is what it is. It was somewhat divisive amongst Seinfeld fans for years, and that's what that's where I hold I think is the gold standard of TV a lot is is, is Seinfeld. Um, having said yeah, that, though, great Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol ended on a phenomenal note. They clo- they nailed the landing for the series with this episode, for the season, um, and it, it's it's going to be a show that it's going to be tough to see anything like this. You know, if you haven't watched Doom Patrol, I mean, you can go watch it all on Max now. Not the entire. You're one of these people who likes to wait for an entire series to wrap up. I would highly recommend checking out Doom Patrol. Because it is, it's a show that went through a lot. I mean, it started off on that DC Universe app that was started, right? Remember, they opened that up. Oh, and that's it was a, right. It was an experiment. There was Titans. There was uh, Doom Patrol. There was Stargirl. There was Swamp Thing. And there was Harley Quinn. That's and, right. They give us fantastic shows and Swamp Thing. Yeah. No. They did. You're right. Four out of five. Yeah. Hey, who else can really do that? Agreed. Agreed. And Swamp Thing's not terrible. It's just kind of lacking Swamp Thing. Jesus Christ. I, I mean, you're being nice. I, you know, I, I thought it was absolutely horrendous. <laughs> I, <laughs> I could not watch that. I, I watched it once, and it was it was a fucking chore to get through. Um, but. Man, Doom Patrol was, was truly something special, man. Like, it, I'm really going to miss agree. that show. Man, I am too. I am yeah, too. like I said, it went from DC Universe to HBO Max to Max now, whatever it could be the same thing. But four solid fucking seasons. I don't think there's one of them that really was a, a messed up at all, which a lot of shows will have one season that you're like, all right, what the fuck was that? This one was solid. And it, it they really gave them a nice send-off in the last season whether they knew it was or not. And we, we had mentioned, we documented here, that the writers approached it as if this was going to be the end. Them and Titans kind of knew the writing was on the wall. And they they did they, everything they could with it. Yeah, and, and I think uh, I give them total credit because I think this, just thinking back, like, from this show from start to finish, this show was a pleasure from start to finish. Like, from that first episode with... Um, um, God, it was Alan Tudyk's character. I couldn't remember. He was the villain that first one, the Spot or something like that. But uh, um, it wasn't. It wasn't negative. If, no, uh, that's what I was thinking too. But if because if you remember, it starts with like the villain narrating the, the story, yeah. yep. talking about what a bunch of losers and assholes they are, um, and and to end here, like. With them having the realization, I'm glad, and I almost I can't believe I almost forgot to talk about this. With them having the realization, is they have to end Doom Patrol because every single catastrophe they stopped was of their own making, one way or another. Mm-hmm. And they break it down too during the episode. They really break it. Down. It's true. Uh, they do, like, because you know. Well, if we didn't hit a mortis into the uh, the time war form, she wouldn't have become a god. And if I didn't leave the the whereasses, if I didn't let one you know escape and not die, so wait, technically, so no matter who wins, we've both saved. We've saved the day. Like they were trying, Cliff was trying to explain how 
regardless of what happens because they started on both of them on their path, they win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So then that will do it for Doom Patrol then. Uh, just yeah. weird saying about a lot of a lot of these shows that have come across, and I'm sure we'll be getting a, yeah. a whole bunch of new ones. Um, that does bring us to Loki Season 2, Episode 6, which, uh, yeah, we got a lot of... The, the rest of the show is going to be all MCU now, so... Uh, spoiler warning across the bottom if you haven't seen it. Um, Jason, this, this season finale really elevated my thoughts on the entire Loki series, period. I can see Completely that. Completely elevated the whole thing. As me now looking at these two seasons as kind of one, and the character arc that we get from Loki, or for Loki, it's even beautiful. though this is even though this is a Loki variant, right? At least you know if from our vision, it is. It's it is beautiful. It, it's one of the best story arcs in the that in the entire MCU, I think. From start to finish. Yeah, I agree. And and I was thinking about this a lot. I, so I like this episode so much, I, I, I watch it twice, which I almost never have time to do. Um, and I was thinking a lot about this. And I think this show was necessary, right, to explore the character of Loki in a way that we, we hinted at in the MCU movies but we didn't have time to actually explore it. And the fact that it does that with a variant and mm -hmm. does it with possibly the most evil Loki we get or the most bad Loki gets in the timeline, like there's no villain worse in the MCU at that point than Loki, but we get that variant and he realizes that, no, he can be the hero. He, he can be more than the hero. He can choose what kind of god he is. And, like, I, I know there's talk, is there going to be another season of this? Is this the end? I'm going to say this. If this is the end, I'm okay with it, because it really explored something that was necessary to explore in that character. And this whole two seasons was literally just a Loki character study. Yeah. And it's not one that I actually ever thought I needed, but apparently... I did. <laughs> um, yeah. We so we do have a guest with us. Uh, we'll see if still see where Rick is, but we uh, apparently also, and I had a feeling this was going to happen. Uh, we have Tim with us as well. Yo, Tim. what's, what's up, Tim? Going on, Tim? Are you home or where are you? I'm too lazy to set the computer up. I I, I keep setting it up, taking it down, setting it up down. I took it down, and I'm like shit. I wanted to go on their show. So I said, you know what? Give me the link. It's easier. Okay. All right. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, the whole, I mean, the, the overall thoughts on the Loki season finale? Uh, I'm glad it's over. I know it sounds like negative, but it's really not negative. It's, uh, to me, it's just a lot. It's just a lot to take in. This goes here, that goes there. This doing it. It's just a lot with the timelines and the branches and, all this, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a great season. Uh, Hiddleston was pfft, knocked it out of the park, man. Uh, I, I know it's weird. So I'm glad it's over. I'm glad, I'm glad to see where it went. 
And I think it's interesting where it went too. I, I like how it ended up. And I would love to see Thor somehow meet with him one day again and put those two back together. How that's possible, I don't know. But yeah, I want to see that Loki meet Thor. So I think that'd be all pretty awesome. Yeah, I can kind of somewhat see that happening somewhere, possibly. I mean, it's not impossible. Um, but I would be fine if they don't either on, on the same thing. I know a lot of people I've seen online that, you know, they that's kind of the one thing that they're yearning for to happen after this. But I'm kind of good either way because I think for Loki, this was this was a perfect ending for him. You know, and the ramifications of it will will wait for until the end, but because they well, could be I, huge ramifications. But I mean, maybe, maybe Thor comes to an end also. Oh, okay. That kind of thing. Oh, that yeah. Like, okay. like, I would yeah. like that when Thor is done. Like, give yeah. him and Loki a moment together. How much longer can Chris Hemsworth really go as Thor? He, I mean, I'm not be wrong. He's he's built for it, but how long is he really going to play Thor for? So I'm thinking maybe in like you know the Kang Dynasty or one of those Avengers movie he you know sacrifices himself and then him and they kind of meet up or whatever that is the afterlife whatever the hell you want to call it yeah. whatever Loki is now <laughs> whatever the hell he is he's the Time Stone basically. Well, I was gonna say I mean we can, well I guess we'll get some ramifications of that or exactly what that is because there's a lot of interpretations I've seen out there of exactly what this whole thing means. But um, oh look at that perfect timing. Um, oh, look at that. Perfect timing. I know. You think he did oh, beat him. He probably shut off that echo in the background. <laughs> Is that an echo or are you just time slipping it? I mean, it could be time slipping also. There's no, no nothing to say otherwise. <laughs> uh, Rick, well, what's up, man? Uh, quickly, what were your overall thoughts on the, uh, the season finale or series finale of Loki? I think Rick's time slipping now. I think he is. Yep. Oh. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is time slipping. Overall thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Overall thoughts. Yep. Overall <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all looking at me like I'm fucking frozen. <laughs> you are. Kind of are. Uh, <laughs> you have been are you saying up. the episode the episode of the series in total? I had to the step series, away for a minute while I loaded up. The, the, the season finale. What were your thoughts on the episode of the season finale? The season finale. I fucking loved it. It brought a it didn't bring a tear to my eye the way uh the end of Doom Patrol did. Mm -hmm. Um however it made me long for these fucking episodes where I'm like unraveling this like string, you know what I'm saying? Like this ball of string. Like it's, uh, I thought Loki as a series was really entertaining. And uh, I felt all the actors did their best. All the people involved did their best. Like everyone tried. I think it was a little confusing more than a little, you know? More than a little confusing, but I, I thought it was excellent. I enjoyed everyone involved, the actors, the writers. It, it was super sound stagey. That's probably my only knock on it. Is 80% of the scenes felt like we were definitely on the sound stage as opposed to like actually being somewhere. 
Other than that, I really enjoyed the series. And I felt like it opened so many doors. Like people might have seen the finale and thought it closed doors. I think it opened more doors than it closed. Well, I think it was a combination of probably both. I think they I think it closes it potentially closes some doors for Loki. I mean, if this is the send-off that we get and this is it, he is where he is, which I was we'll get into the details in a bit. Um but on the other end, you're right. He could technically do anything right now. He could rewrite. I mean, because the idea or the common belief is that he is now went from Loki God of Mischief to Loki God of Stories now. I mean, that's what that was kind of a storyline in the comic book. So they're kind of just going with that, even though that's been not like rubber stamped on on the in the MCU. But we, we can go with it because there's nothing to say otherwise for now, right? Unless they somehow. Sounds like a great ally for the Secret Wars, huh? No, hey, listen, it could be if, if that's where they're going to go with this or the, I've seen beliefs of him, you know, replacing Kang potentially or not replacing Kang or whatever. I, I, wonder, I, I don't know. I wonder I if this is if no. I wonder if this is how we get the X-Men in, right? Because we keep talking about how we get the, get the X-Men in. If he could just rewrite, you know, timelines maybe he merges a timeline or something. Maybe this is, and I'm just spitballing, but maybe the X-Men have something to do with this. Potentially. Well, like Rick was saying, though, this really opens up the doors for anything now. Anything is truly possible after after what we get here. Um, well, let, let's go through the episode quickly, and then we can... The biggest thing is, is what happens at the end. Um, so Loki goes ahead and returns to the, uh, to the meltdown of the loom, uh, as he learns to control his time slipping and in a hilarious way has many attempts to get Victor timely to try to go quicker and faster through the through the, uh, the whole launch pad and everything to get to the loom. And I, I that whole sequence is absolutely hilarious. That whole sequence is brilliant. The fact, uh, two great moments from that, well, that, that montage. The first great moment is him busting in on Miss Minutes, Renslayer, and uh, Brad, or I forget that guy's name. And he's like, right. all right, uh, Miss Minutes, I know you're angry. I know you're upset, but I need your help here. <laughs> and the look everyone, including Miss Minutes, gives him is like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah, Loki gets a lot of what the fuck so, just happened in a lot of this episode. Every time I, every, he barges into scenes that we've seen already. And just kind of like tell, lets everyone know, I know what the fuck is going on. Let's get this over with. Let's get to the fucking end of the scene already. And uh, my second favorite moment, and this is like, this is what makes this episode. This is a Doctor Who episode. The reason I had no problem following this oh, sure. is because I have sure, seen sure. plots on Doctor Who that are exactly like this. And the moment where he's like, how long would it take me to know everything you know about physics and engineering? And Obi's like uh, decades, and then Timely's like centuries, and then it's like centuries later <laughs> to imply that this this motherfucker spent centuries studying. <laughs> and the uh, and my favorite thing that he does in this whole sequence is when he goes in, and you know Obi and Victor Timely are kind of going ahead and like you know hugging each other essentially when they first meet. He goes, listen. You know him, you know him, you wrote the book, good for you, it's over, okay, let's go. And then, yes, I understand, 
the scale, the, the model is not built to scale. But guess what? It's not Mobius. It's actually timely, even though it looks like him. Let's just keep this going. And the looks that he gets from everybody is priceless. <clears throat> so, wait. And I know I might. I should have known this a long time ago. Uh, is that dude the same one that played the dude from the Goonies? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, and he, so he's, and he's not trying to act like him. That is him. That's All right, him. Good, yeah. good, good, good. All right. He's he's no. having a resurgence because he won that. He won the Oscar for I think he won the Oscar for everything, everywhere, all at once. And I'm right. glad he's having a resurgence because this guy's super talented. I loved him in this season. Yeah. If you're um, good, you're good, right? <laughs> As Jason mentioned, Loki goes back centuries to learn all about quantum mechanics and applies it at the moment of the meltdown, essentially getting the timely across there. And we find out that the loom doesn't actually, it doesn't matter. No matter what they do, they cannot plan for infinite timelines. It doesn't matter. It's going to fucking melt down no matter what. It is what it is. And that kind of brings Loki to a realization that he has to go back to the moment where Sylvie killed He Who Remains, and that's pretty much it. It's kind of, the, I mean, the writing was on the wall, I think, of what he knows needed to happen. He knows he had to kill Sylvie, and that was the only way. Even though he tries with all those attempts to kind of, like, get around it, ultimately that's where he knows he was landing on in the end. Jason, go ahead. And what I think is beautiful about it is, like, he finds a way to sacrifice himself to save Sylvie. Like, because that's what he does, right? He could kill Sylvie and let he who remains continue what he was doing and save the timelines you can. But he decides that that's too much. And that's why, that's why it's a beautiful character arc because Loki in Avengers is selfish. He's self-centered. He wants nothing but for himself. And now here he is saving a variant of himself. Right. This is these are the people who become his family, the people who become important to him. And the fact that he figures out a way after fighting her and talking to to he who remains and he still goes, you know what? Yeah, my choice is her or me. I'm going to save her. And I, I yeah. love that decision that he makes. Well, he, he also I, I found the conversation fascinating that he and him and he who remains have because they go through this whole thing where it's over and over again. He's trying to stop Sylvie from killing her, killing him, and he can't do it. You hear him dying over and over and over again. And then it comes down to where he who remains pauses time. And he fucking talks to Loki and he's just like, listen, you haven't figured out how to pause time just yet. And Loki plays along with it you know, for a little while, and they have this conversation about, you know, he who remains the same, who do you think put you on this path and everything, the loom was doomed to fail, it was just a fail safe, all it's supposed to do is save the sacred timeline, it terminates all the other branches, just keeps this one intact, and that's that, so essentially, and Loki says that this was all a waste of time, right, and He's just like you're. You're destined to lose. It goes back to that too, where you're you're gonna fail. Like your whole mission's gonna fail anyway. And then Loki pauses time, and it's just like, what makes you think this is the last, the first time we've had this conversation? And I was like, oh shit, at that point, yeah. like checkmate right there. That's a good line, right? 
and he's just he's 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 got him flat out there, and he's just like I'm gonna go ahead, and she goes well because he remains the same. You just got to kill Sylvie then, right? Like that's your thing. You kill Sylvie, and you save me. We go ahead and save what, like Jason mentioned, we save whatever timelines we save who we can, and and that's that. And then he ends up going ahead, and Loki decides to flip it on its head, and he leaves, where he goes ahead, and he's just like, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go to Mobius because I know that this is a difficult decision. And he goes back to the first conversation from season one that him and Mobius have, and they have the, the, the talk right there where Loki, if you remember. Loki gets shown all the stuff that he's done throughout his entire life and stuff that we've seen throughout his entire life and all the bad shit he's done. And Mobius just tells him this story, basically when he meets Renslayer and how Renslayer got involved at the TVA and she hesitated on pruning and everything like that and what was kind of saved there. But the point of the scene was, how do you go ahead and deal with the decisions that they're like the burden? And he's just like, you got scar tissue, man, that's it. Just you fucking learn to live with it. You got to make the tough decision, and there's nothing you can do. It's not meant to be comfortable. It's not meant to be happy. It just it, it, it is what it is. You have to fucking do what you got to do, and you live with it, no matter what the consequences are, because you knew you know you did the right thing. I thought that was one of the strongest scenes of this entire series. Oh, it was it was beautiful because again, that's his friend, right? Mobius and him are tight, and I love. That like, and this is this is Owen Wilson. This is a character of Mobius. Like, he comes back, and and Loki is just like, okay, so this is what you're about to do, and he runs through the whole conversation. And Mobius goes, I think someone gave you the set list. Like, he just kind of mm-hmm. makes that joke. But then he, I think Mobius has a real realization of like, no, he's not bullshitting. I think we do have this connection. Let me give him the help he needs. And yeah. it's that conversation that allows Loki. To to make the hard choice to sacrifice himself, right? How do you make the decision who to sacrifice, who to prune? Well, you just make it and you you deal with it and you move on from it. And I think, well, Loki makes the decision to sacrifice himself and that is what he has to live with. Yeah, and ultimately he decides to become the god, you know, for everyone else. He becomes the kind of god that everyone else, that he has to for everyone else this time as opposed to the type of god you know, that he's he's played in the past. And he essentially chooses to replace the loom and be the one who actually holds all the timelines together. And he can go for infinite timelines. Was I the only one that he has to do? Was I the only one that got a Thanos Gamora vibe when all of that shit was going down? When because I like with the Thanos Gamora where he had to give up the thing he loved. And okay. for me, with Loki and Sylvie in this scene, like, Sylvie being his variant, for me, was really weird in this series. Because it wasn't like she was fucking uh, another version of Captain America fighting Captain America. It was like she was another, she was a part of him. Like, in all the breakdowns I watched, everybody was like, oh... These variant things are like a self-love thing. And I think with Loki and Sylvie, it was very much like Sylvie was very much a part of him. Loki's glorious, you know, you know, mission. Where's purpose? He was God. Yeah. What did Sylvie want to do? 
She just wanted to be. She was like, dude, yeah. I'll work this McDonald's and fucking drive this fucking piece of shit truck and like just let me live. Like everybody leave me alone and let me be. And like I feel like Loki and Sylvie are like two sides of the same coin. And that yeah. that's my like you know, my Thanos moment there where he had to give up this side of the coin or be two sides of a coin, you know? Well, I always thought him him falling in love, that was part of the whole thing, right? Like he, Loki fell in love with himself, essentially. That yes. would be the one that- We can all truly, agree on that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's the, who he truly loved in the end was himself in a way. But like you had pointed out, Rick, the great way that it was- Kind of the Loki that he ended up being is who he kind of fell off with because he does say in his last two episodes he just wanted his friends. He didn't want to be alone anymore. He finally he felt somewhere to be. That he had to be. Exactly. Yeah. Like you had mentioned, kind of how Sylvie, and I feel like he learned that from her by, you know, kind of like interacting with her, and that's what he that's what he caused him to fall in love with her. So he ends up doing that, walks through the radiation that's there, the overloading stuff out in the loom walks fucking through it and destroys the loom itself, which causes this massive explosion. And these timelines are physical branches are dying, turning black, fading away. He starts grabbing them one by one and reinstalling life into them. And he goes ahead and he continues to walk through and gets a throne at the end of time. So Loki, who when we first met him, was crying in Thor about wanting a throne and was the rightful one and was born to be a king and all this other shit. He ends up getting his throne at the end, but completely alone, but also being a god of servitude as opposed to one who's just trying to rule and eliminate free will, right? Because he mentions that in, in the Avengers. Now he's all about reinstalling. He's, his whole purpose is to give the universe and the whole multiverse free will. And the 180 yeah, that happens yeah. is bonkers. And yeah, that that well, that that's also the conversation he has with Sylvie, right? Because she's like, he's like, I think I have to kill you, and she's like, I mean, you do what you got to do. Did you expect me to give you an endorsement? Tell you a good job? Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and he's like, Well, we got to save what we can. And she says, Yeah, but you're robbing people of the choice to die trying to save themselves. You're, you, who are you to tell people they can't make the choice? And that's part of like it's part of it is Mobius. That's the one-two punch. It's Mobius and Sylvie that he realizes, yeah, okay, who am I? And I think, and I didn't even think about that, but you're right. His first act as a god in Avengers is to try to subjugate Will, and his last act as a god here on the end of his road is to give the free will that he who remains has essentially taken away. Um, and again. A beautiful, beautiful end to this character, if it is the end. Yeah, the two scenes that keep coming back to me are the end of Thor, when Loki is on the end of the Rainbow Bridge, and he's there with Odin and Thor, and the whole speech he gives to them, and also that scene in Germany in Avengers, where he's mm -hmm. talking about how free will is a joke, and you know no one really wants it and things like that. They think they do and stuff. Those two scenes of what this season of Loki kept on harkening back to me, you know, for, which I thought was was brilliant in the end. Um, but between that, we see the TVA 
and all the murals they had of He Who Remains are pretty much now Loki, except for one. And it's one I think about destroying, but then Mobius suggests, hey, maybe we need to, you know, those who don't know their past are doomed to, or history are doomed to repeat it, which I thought was really smart. And there was also a huge reference to Quantum Mania between B Hunter B-15 and Mobius. I was going to ask you about that because he says a 616 adjacent. He's talking about the Kang, but that's the 616 universe, right? Like it took place the M it took place in the MCU proper, right? Yeah, that's what they refer to it as and you know, the TVA is pretty much well the quant see the quantum realm is basically adjacent to every universe. They're uh, kind of in okay, their own okay. thing. So that's it, it doesn't make jive what he what they said. So I thought it was interesting that they did that, but they also kind of were just like, you know, something there was a little ruckus over there, it was taken care of, and that's that. And their hunt, they're pretty much the TVA is repurposed from pruning timelines to now chasing down Kang variants and fucking and pruning them and erasing them, which I thought was was pretty damn cool. And then Mobius chooses to leave the TVA as well. Instead of going in to meet with the judges, he chooses to go ahead and finally do what Sylvie, a conversation that him and Sylvie had. They go He goes ahead and decides to go check out what his life really was and see it for his own eyes. And he kind of just wants to sit back and chill and like take it in. Go ahead, Rick. You, you got That's, oh, Rick. Rick, we can't hear you. I said, was it weird to anyone else that Mobius, maybe I walked away from the TV. There's no mention of the mother of his children. She passed away. Oh, okay. So maybe I did walk away from the TV because I'm like, wait, Mobius, like the dude that has the Infinity Stones was a thief. So he mm -hmm. was like stealing stuff while he was still in the TVA. Like he was still kind of like himself. Mobius loved these jet skis like he was kind of like himself. However, there's no mention of Mobius having children or loving being a dad. That was really weird as a dad to be like, wait, he loved all these jet skis so much. There's no mention of being a dad. I, I thought that was fucking weird. Well, I think I think the way that could have been. Well, number one, remember, this Mobius doesn't know he has kids. But right, but he doesn't them, know he has jet skis either. No, but he, he remembered some weird sort of fascination with them. Was I'm sure like there's something that still remains in there. But I feel like the way he speaks to everybody is kind of like a dad. Like the way he's just kind of like, hey, that. let's just talk it out and be patient. Let's see, and maybe like kind of I don't know, like that. That's the kind of vibe pie. that I got from him. Yeah, let's get some pie and like I don't know, just this whole demeanor and kind of just. Screamed dad to the three dads that are on here. Now, now no? <laughs> what do you say, Tim? Yeah, <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. I do get that because he was always very calm, cool, and collected, you know, yeah, voice of reason. So, yeah, I, I get that completely. But here's my question at the end, he was just like, Well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna watch. What does that mean? Is he gonna sit there and watch his, 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 his variant and these kids, or is he going to rejoin that time? I thought that's the one thing I didn't really. That get. was weird. Yeah. Well, I, I the way I took it is, I think it was just he 
whole thing of, with him and Sylvie and him not knowing anything about it, he was just trying to sit back and chill and just like kind of get a grasp of what his life was like. I don't think he means he's going to interject it and necessarily yeah. take that one back. He might go ahead and find the timeline he if it still exists. That we, he was we did just from. see Wanda try that. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. You got cool, calm, and collective Mobius, and then you got psychotic Wanda at some point <laughs> losing her shit over kids that I, she invented herself. I mean, women, am I right, guys? That's what Amber Heard's not in the MCU. Like he didn't. Good. He didn't really leave the TBA then. He's just kind of like taking some time to watch what his life has been. Yeah, that's kind of the way I took it, at least. That was my interpretation of what it was. Because him, I mean, technically, as long as they have these time doors, they can kind of do whatever the fuck they want, to be completely honest with you. I mean, the timelines exist. They're not disappearing anymore. So Yeah, because, I mean, we all heard the rumors that he is not, he's, he's going to be back in a certain other movie that's coming out. Next year. Yeah, yeah. Him and Miss Minutes are supposed to be in Deadpool three next year. So, I, I mean, I, I'm sure he's not cool completely out of the be... Oh yeah, no, that's it's that's gonna, gonna, be, gonna so be, cool. be. It's gonna be something. <laughs> um, so I also we find out that Obi writes a new TVA guidebook that he's finally getting out. So you can kind of look back at he's opening the box of the guidebooks, which is kind of like what his original purpose on a, his life was like on a timeline when he was writing the book so i thought that was kind of cool um and you also find out that victor timely never gets that guidebook this time though because they show young victor timely and a wind blows and that's about it there's no renslayer there so that brings us to renslayer though renslayer is seen in what could be the end of time or anything like that but there are pyramids there as well so, I my kind of thinking is that they could go with this. Is that could be Rama Tut, and that could be the Kang variant that she ends up, you know, hooking on with next. Because I know that they had some team ups in the comics against the Avengers as well. Wait, but that me. All right, I get your even inevitable. Possibly inevitable. Yeah. Am I? You can hear me, right? Yeah. yeah inevitable yeah. is where you're going. I get mm -hmm. that, but can we? Not skip over like the Hitler paradox here. Amen. Like all of a sudden, Victor Timely doesn't get the fucking novel. All of a sudden, Victor Timely doesn't teach. Um, uh, oh, uh, Obi, just Obi. Right. All yeah, of a Boris. sudden, all of a sudden, those things don't happen. However, they still happen. But actually, the the Rick the paradox was not that the paradox was that Obi was able to do what he did from Victor Timely's work and vice versa but I think this resets it because Obi is the original author of it and so yeah Obi wasn't influenced by Victor Timely because he didn't have the work done but Obi still on his own gets to that point he does it without Victor Timely every time except for when Renslayer interferes. So I actually think this fixes the paradox they set in motion. So what you're saying is Obi is like the nexus more than anything. Well, he was the one I, who wrote I, the I book to begin with. That. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get that. Hey, that's the rules they, the rules they <laughs> lay down. 
<laughs> they're willing to follow the rules. <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, so the last shot we see is Loki put holding together everything else. He's got his throne there and everything. And I'm going to completely butcher this because it's pretty much is the Norse, you know, tree of life, which it's Yardrasil? Yardrasil? It's spelled Y-G-G. Uh, Yggdrasil? Okay. I knew that was going to get you. So. Let the English teacher speak. That's okay. Exactly. <laughs> no, That's no, it's not in, no. No, 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 no. Oh. It is not, has nothing to do with my education. It has to do with the fact that I have played this um, JRPG game called Dragon Quest since I was a kid. <laughs> and yeah. they have a Yggdrasil tree in the third one. And they're up to like 10 now. And I've been playing it so... That's the only reason I know that word is because I played JRPGs as a kid. Well, and see, and if the, on the timeline, and the timeline, you played the game as a kid, so therefore later on you would do this podcast about Loki season two, episode six. I would get stumbled on butchering a <laughs> fucking name, and you're here to fix it. <laughs> does that mean? Does that mean Rick went back in time and left me that video game so I could have this moment? <laughs> Exactly. No, it means he was I went time back in time and bought Bitcoin in 2009. That's what it means. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not actually here. I'm a billionaire at this well, because he stopped time slipping when, when he first joined us. Um, so, yeah, yeah he basically becomes <laughs> Loki god of stories here. Um, I, I, Tim, I, I guess I'll, I'm gonna, I'll throw it to you first. The, there's a possibility that Loki, I, there's theories being thrown out there. Maybe Loki is replacing Kang because there's reports out there that, you know, Kevin Feige might be trying to steer away from Kang now as the new big bad of the MCU due to various reasons. Could be Jonathan Major's pending court case that who the hell knows what's going on with. And I, I think it is. I think it's the troubles with Jonathan Majors. Well, the other thing I was going to say, though, is... It's also, and I wanted to, I'll save this more for the final topic of the, of the episode is just that the mixed bag that the whole Kang thing has been since then. Um, do you think that's the possibility that he was replacing Kang or uh, within the MCU story as well? Because right now he's at the end of time. He's holding shit together. He is the loom. Kang variants are getting hunted down by the TVA. So whatever it is that they're doing. Uh, what do you think? Well, not to get Jason all excited, but there's honestly only one who could replace Kang as far as a big baddie for the Avengers goes. We all know who that is. We all know who that rumor was. I'm not even going to say it. It's one of them, yeah. It's Dr. Doom. No, we've talked about this before. I don't want Loki to be the bad guy. I I like his arc. I like the way he finished. I like the way it ended. I don't want him to become the big bad guy again. Unless, you know, you're going to have these variants running around. But now he's controlled the timeline. Like control his variants now. Like I don't, I don't think he should be the bad guy. If you're gonna go Doom, go Doom. That's the way I. No, I, I agree with you. I think he has, in some ways, replaced he who remains at the end of time. And but he's the one who's got the loom and thing. And you know, you could say Kang is kind of could be. They could also just close the book the way this ends on Kang. Also, if they really want to, if that if their idea was that, I can see where they're like, hey. His variants got hunted down. That was that by the TVA. He's not at the end of time anymore. Timelines are safe. Yada, yada. Kang is defeated and done. Move on. And you're right. Dr. Doom could be introduced as the next 
MCU Big Bad. Or you could be like, hey, Kang Prime showed up and was like, fuck you, Loki. I'm going to still go ahead and do what I got to do. It, it does, it, like Rick mentioned, it leaves the doors wide open to whatever the hell you want it to be. But I'm all for this being the end for Loki. Tom Hiddleston hinted at it on a Tonight Show last Friday where he kind of said that this whole thing wraps up his run as Loki. He kind of sounded like he was done. I'm sure he'd be open to a, a cameo like you had mentioned about him, maybe him and Thor getting one quick scene together in one of the next Avengers movies, and, and that's that. But I agree. Making him a villain again would be kind of dumb. Like, this is it. He's had his redemption arc, and he's good to go. And, and it seems desperate because, you know, Marvel's taken so much shit the last few movies. Um, it would be, de- I think it would seem like a desperate attempt to make Loki a bad guy again. Yeah. He's the bad guy, like the guy who the Avengers have to assemble for. I, I don't, don't think it makes a lot of sense no. to me. But everyone yeah. much. Yeah, no, he's become like Do a lot Avengers of people's favorite have to character. assemble for a guy that Ant-Man beat by himself? Well... That's the other thing. You're right. <laughs> no, but uh, well, that's what we're saying is that the Kang variant. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the Kang. <laughs> that's true. Not not solely by himself. Well, the, the, but Rick, I agree with you. I think that's part of, and again, something I want to save more for the last segment of the show um, when we talk about the MCU as a whole. But you're not wrong. I mean, that's what the perception is right now: is that who the fuck is Kang? I mean, we got this one guy who showed up. Ant Man beat him. Yada yada in Loki, we've seen a version of him get killed by Sylvie. Yes, he controls time. That's great. And we've seen another version of him who apparently is not a bad guy at all. He was kind of just being steered and set up to be the next bad guy. But it's actually he's a really nice guy who loves hot cocoa and a cocoa <laughs> machine, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> and, and that's kind of what you gotta imagine is Rick to borrow one of your terms, is, is the casuals would look at, right? Like, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, the so, big um to fa- same stream of consciousness. Uh, they're not acknowledging their current audience. Like Kang was mo- mainly built up on fucking rewrites. You know, right or wrong, they found a bunch of characters that existed in the MCU, and they were like, "Hey, that was Kang. Hey, that was Kang too. Hey, that was Kang." They did like. They did that like in 1983 or 84. And they were like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was Kang that did that. That that Pharaoh, that was Kang. Yeah. And like nowadays, to build up a guy like that, you're just like, okay, so this is your heavyweight champion of the universe, but he's 0-3 to fucking street-level MCU characters. Yeah. That's not Thanos. Thanos was fucking... Ripping shit through the fucking universe until he ran into like, actually until he succeeded in his journey. <laughs> well, Thanos and he was won. on the farm, you know. No, no, but, but Thanos succeeded. Yeah. Thanos won that war. Thanos was the Vietnam War. Thanos yeah. won. Thanos was the, <laughs> on the fucking planet, living his best life, and he was like, you know what? This wasn't worth it. Well, Thanos, the first to think about it though, the first time Thanos introduced to the to the mainstream public was at the tag scene of Avengers, right? Like the mid credit scene, mm-hmm. and he you knew right away whether you knew who Thanos wasn't and was or wasn't, and the four of us know who Thanos was, so whatever. But to the average person, you were intimidated. 
You right. knew that this guy was a problem. And then, yes, you got to see him sit around for like years. Sit, but he was intimidated. But he was intimidated while he was sitting right. and ordering people around to go get him Infinity Stones. Wow. And then we, a lot of sitting. And then once he stood up in Infinity War, he kills Loki. He fucking murders this guy. Like, he wrecks shop. And you're like, oh, shit. Okay. This guy's serious business. So. I actually um, think Kang, the Kang has Kang. the opposite fucking history. Kang is like, oh, here's this guy who's like Thanos. Oh, he, he lost to this guy. Oh, here's this guy that's like that. Oh, he lost to Ant-Man. Oh, this guy, uh, he, he lost again. Like, there's nothing to be scared of. This guy is the perpetual fucking glass joke. Like, <laughs> like in one round, wow. you can just like, boop, 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 boop. you don't even need a star to drop Kang. See, that's why that's, I think they that's needed... That's bad. That's not that's why good. I think they could have rem- went with He Who Remains there. And he I should have like won in- one fight. I think in Quantum Mania, either if you were going to call him Kang the Conqueror, he should have either A won or B not been called Kang the Conqueror. You could have made it well, Ramatut or 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 whoever you want to call it. I'm sorry, Jason. Go. Ahead. No, no, that's fine. I think that's the problem with this Kang, with Kang. It is. I think it was mishandled in uh, in, in um, Quantum Mania, and I think the the biggest way it was mishandled was saying. This is Kang the Conqueror. This is a Kang variant so bad, so badass that all the other Kang variants have, have stuck him here. And then he lose. Then he he's not the big bad that we expect, and he loses to Ant Man and some ants. Like honestly, I think he who remains is a big bad, and I think he is menacing. Yeah, Sylvie kills him, but if you watch the, this Loki that that we just watched, you let it happen. He he lets Sylvie kill him. He, he doesn't fight back because he knows. Whatever you do, you I, I rigged the fucking game. You can't beat me. Um, so like I think it's the it's the fucking quantum mania Kang that fucks this up. I think if that was just a Kang variant and we weren't led to believe it was the Kang variant, it'd be a much different conversation. We'd be talking about when do we get the big bad Kang? But right now we're like, well, I thought I had the big bad Kang. What, what's coming? Yeah, I think that's part of the that that's the Kang issue that the MCU is dealing with right now. And again, we, we can save that for the last segment because I don't want to dig too, too much on that. But to wrap up Loki part, section of Loki, um, for me, th- this season two of Loki, I liked it more than season one. And it elevated the, like we talked about rankings of DC, of uh, um, Disney Plus shows so far. And this moved it very close to the top for me now. I still have WandaVision like as my favorite one. Loki is probably two or three now for me. It, it's it's pretty damn close. I really love this season that much. That this was fantastic, especially the finale. Both both season finales were spectacular. A- anyone can jump in. <laughs> you guys are just... <laughs> no, I'll just hold my issues with Disney owning everything. For the next segment. So, okay. That's next segment. That's a fun one. Uh, because having just watched Marvels today, yeah. I got a lot to fucking say about that. Okay. Uh, He's Tim, got grievances. Tim, Tim, your thoughts on uh, Loki overall, the the, ser- uh, the series? Um, 
Was it one of your favorites before this? Yeah, definitely one of my favorites. I, I enjoyed season one though better. I liked the humor. I liked the the, the, the Loki variants better. Um, I mean, whilst we're gonna get a fucking alligator wearing those horns ever again, so I kind of liked one better than two. But yeah, overall, the the two seasons were fantastic. And like I said Tom Hiddleston deserves some kind of goddamn award that he'll never get. <laughs> you should get an Emmy for this. I think Word. so. He's Jason, great. I know you all you had Loki high on your list to begin with. Yeah, Loki was like I think I think two or three before this, and now it's one. I mean, I think I said it all. This was like this season made it feel like a Doctor Who uh, season, and I'm a huge fan of Doctor Who. I'm a huge fan of Tom Hiddleston. I'm a huge fan of Loki. You marry those things together? No, I was all for this. I mean, even and I hate to say it because of the troubles, but I even love Jonathan Majors in this season. And and I I know I know I, t- I took a hard stance against against Ezra Miller, and I should take a hard stance against hit Jonathan Majors, and I am. But he probably you know whatever whatever needs to happen needs to happen. But goddamn, he was brilliant in this, and he really did fucking bring it to another level with his performance. Well, is, is he is he still innocent to proven guilty, or has he been found guilty of something? No, that's a, I was well, going to say. No, Jason, I mean in your in your defense, I think. By the time we talk about the Flash, Ezra Miller was already found guilty of a thousand <laughs> different things, and Jonathan yeah, Majors is still like, pending. So I, that that in it's your pending. in your defense, I, right. it's too different. Yeah, yeah. Ezra Miller was pre Johnny Depp trial. <laughs> but, Jonathan Majors is post. So yeah. you want to see the photos of the Dookie on the bed before you have an opinion? That's fair. I mean, I think and look, I hope point. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's innocent. I hope there are no pictures of the Dookie on the bed because this is a he's a, this is a fucking talent, man. If you look at Victor Timely and He Who Remains, you cannot tell me you didn't lose for a, even a second that was the same person. True. Well, yeah, you're right. I love the World's Fair version. The World's Fair episode was so fucking awesome. It was awesome. It was- only thing that would have made it better if it was in Queens. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, all right. So that kind of wraps up Loki for us. Uh, and that brings us to our uh, film of the week. Uh, we got a brand new entry into the MCU, uh, The Marvels, which dropped on, uh, well, last Thursday night. Uh, Jason and I got to check it out in IMAX 3D on Friday. Um there's a lot of layers to talk about here, but I guess the overall thoughts on the film, and then we can kind of dig into details. Um, Tim, start it off. What are what were your overall thoughts on the Marvels? You actually saw it before we did. <laughs> yeah, it's well, oh, the shit. same as the last couple of movies. Enjoyable, decent, nothing to really like go crazy over, but I did enjoy it. And for me, that's a lot because I am not a Brie Larson guy. I'm not a Captain Marvel guy. Um, but no, I, I, I actually enjoyed myself in the movie. I didn't have his issues or, uh, the, the, everyone was talking about the length of the movie. I think this time it hurt a little bit. I thought the ending was very, you know, barely an inconvenience type thing. Very quick, very easy to, to win. Um, overall, I, I actually enjoyed it. Like I said, I really didn't know with my Brie Larson hatred, I wasn't going to enjoy it or not, but I did. Of course, I got my girl Kamala in there, so I was happy about that, but. You know. <laughs> All right, fair, fair enough. Uh, Jason, what what do you got for us? What were your overall thoughts on the Marvels? 
You know, I'm, I'm very much uh, with Tim on this. Like, I am actually, I like Brie Larson. I actually, uh, I think she's fine. But, uh, you know, so that no, no worries there. But I, I thought this was okay. I thought it was fun. I didn't, it wasn't anything to write home about. Uh, as you and I talked about, Ed, I felt there were parts of the movie that didn't really need to be there. Like, uh, uh, and we'll get into it. But um, but overall, like I, I like the interaction between the the Marvels. I love Kamala Khan. I think uh, Tim, I'm with you. That actress is so fucking charming. It's not even funny. Um, and I I had fun with it. I like the the blipping in and out and them switching bodies and you know. And again, yeah, that's all. I, it wasn't bad. It was fun. Uh, you know, was it next level? Like, whoa, my God, we're in a new place in the MCU. No, but I don't always need that. So you know, it, it it was it did what it needed to do. Rick, I was really happy with the film. Okay. It uh, prior to seeing it, Eddie, you and Jason know I had all my right wing Florida man views about coming into this movie. You know, with the characters and the roles they're playing. And I'm a father of two daughters. I'm like, is this, is, are these the images we're, we're like projecting to our kids now? And then I watched the movie and I was like, oh shit, this is a fucking comic book movie. Like, we're just going to fight the bad guys. <laughs> <at the time." laughs> what a revelation. That was the, the, left, was like, the left or New Yorker yeah. coming out in you. Yeah, I was like, wait, we're all... Oh, Oh, so excuse me, we're here to have a good time and like just enjoy ourselves. <laughs> and like the good guy fights the bad guys. It's Hogan versus uh Iron Sheik. Oh my god. And you know, we're gonna get the <laughs> fucking big boot and the leg drop. Like I you know, I was coming into the film, I was Florida man. I was right wing conservative, like Brie Larson, uh, and now I'm like, oh shit! I guess we're here to watch a movie. <laughs> I had so much fun. Can we, you know, can we have a part two? I can just make a clip of that right there. Just <laughs> um, I, I, I guess I could echo it. I, I had a good time with this. It's a fun movie. It's very light. Um, it's lighter than a lot of the MCU movies we've gotten, right? Like Guardians was phenomenal. But it was fucking emotionally like draining. Right? Oh, like through that movie. It was. It, very, and very. So was Black Panther Wakanda Forever, another one. It was Super. like emotionally half yeah, that movie was tears. Yeah, like there was there was a lot of shit mm -hmm. going on in, in, in these movies. And this one was just kind of like very easy breezy, what an hour and forty-five minutes, like like you said, have a good time, have some fun, have some popcorn, and that's it. It definitely has its issues. There's a couple of things in particular. There are three things that highlight issues for me. Um, but overall, I think it's fine. And that's, I guess, more of what we could talk about in the next segment because that's kind of what it is. It's, I don't think it's going to, this movie's going to get a lot of shit for being the lowest box office opening for an MCU film since The Incredible Hulk. And I think that's, that's kind of harsh because there are people who, it's worse they, they, they than, it's worse than uh, uh, it's worse than uh, uh, fucking oh god Scarlett Johansson Black, Black, uh, Black Widow it's worse than Black Widow 
It opened lower than Black Widow, and that was during COVID. That's bad. I mean, that's but, indefensible. Well, I think Black that, Widow was uh, like, listen, there was no buildup, and it came out during COVID. That's. Well, I mean, bad. there was there was buildup for the character for like twenty movies or something like that, but I mean. I, I that's just indefensible. Think, that's well, indefensible. Doing worse than Black Widow. That's well, not really, because I think we'll, we can get into the reasons for the box office. I think we can maybe save that for the end. Let's talk about the film, you know, first in its own. Yeah, right. that's irrelevant. Um, that's yeah, irrelevant. Yeah, yeah it's, it's semantics with that. Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Don't. But just whatever you do, do not judge a film by a box office. There's yeah, been many great irrelevant. films that have bombed at the box office. There's been many fucking piles of shit that have done great at the box office. Go watch the movies and judge for yourself. All my favorite good. movies were box office bombs. That's true. Ask it. How well did Boondock Saints do in the box office? Did it even come it's out? It's like everybody's movie? fucking Was that in the movie. box office? Was it in the, even there? Yeah, for was... like a weekend. For oh, like okay. one, maybe two. <laughs> I thought it was straight to video. Right. It might have um, been straight to video. Yeah, you can't judge it by stuff like that. All right, so we'll just, let's just do positive, negatives, and stuff like that. All right, so my positives to start off with, I like Jason mentioned the chemistry between the three leads, uh, you know, between Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, and uh, Monica Rambo are it's that's the highlight of the film. I think the movie is at, is at its strongest when it focuses on the three of them and the Khan family. Their dynamic that I loved in Miss Marvel carries over to this perfectly, and it's it's that's when the movie is at its funniest. And Tim, I agree with you a thousand percent. She steals the fucking movie. You know, Kamala Khan. Every scene she's in, I I also kind of feel like it's the way she is. She is kind of us as if we were in the MCU. Yeah. She's a fan of the of of Miss Marvel. I mean, Captain Marvel and heroes and stuff like that. And she's like all about it. And her little cartoon in the beginning of the movie, you know, on uh, Sloth Productions and stuff like that, I thought was absolutely hilarious. Um, and the action. I think the movie has some solid action sequences, especially that first one where they're all mixed up and their powers are entangled and they're going from fight to fight to fight. It's fucking crazy. Like upon second viewing, I'm like, wow, this is pretty nuts. That they, you know, able to like execute this like that. Um, yeah, it's light and fun, and it, it to get into detail, there are even though this isn't like an essential story for the MCU, there is a lot of important information that is delivered for the overall MCU. I think in this film, um, Jason, what were your positives of the film? All right. Uh, uh, so again, I like I like the three leads. The chemistry was good. Love Kamala Khan. I'm gonna you know say all that. I like I like Monica Rambeau in this a lot. I like uh, Brie Larson in this. Um, I love the family. So echo all of that. Uh, I I enjoyed some of the fun stuff, and this is also going to be a negative. So it's going to be weird, but a positive and a negative is getting the insight into what like uh captain marvel has done in in the world like in space like oh she's married to, to this prince why not right i like that i like stuff like that like getting insight into that character um i like 
Uh, I like the fun tone of it. You know, I, I, I like, I love the, the back and forth, like the fighting sequences and them having to learn how to be a team literally because their powers make them swap. I thought that's a great, like a uh, metaphor for solo people become, be having to become a team and working together. I thought a lot of that action worked of them like sort of syncing up Um yeah, so I, I I guess those those are my those are my positives. Tim, uh, yeah, Jason said too. I love the fact that uh, Captain Marvel was married to a singing planet where they all sing. I thought that was I thought actually that was pretty funny. Um, and again, I'm not a big Brie Larson guy, so for me to even like anything she does, very very good. Um, Kamala, of course, Kamala Tabala. I'm going to adopt her and put her in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, she's a fan. It's like, what would happen if 13-year-old us, you know, got sucked up into that world? And she plays it so great. Um, and I, I don't even say I like happy, smiling, joking Nick Fury, especially after an invasion. We got to see a happy-go-lucky, you know, Nick Fury where he had fun and joked around and, and this and that. That was a, that was a very nice um, yeah, those are the guys, and I love the fact. And this is something really small, but I thought about it going in. They didn't overdo the girl power bullshit. They didn't try to. Sh- I mean, they didn't try to shove it down our throats. Like they kept the Beastie Boys song and not like, oh, let's put girls want to have fun here because that's you know <laughs> girls are having fun. No, they didn't do that bullshit, which I really was hoping they weren't going to do. So actually, I'm glad they didn't do that because that was that would have killed it a little bit for me. Uh, yeah, those are my positives. Rick? Uh, <clears throat> I'm really, and this is terrible, because normally on a show like this, it's opinionated. You don't want everybody to be in the same fucking vein. However, <laughs> in <laughs> terms of this film, I feel like we're all in the same fucking vein. Like, I was expecting girl power. I was expecting, like, this whole thing where it was like, girls get it done. What, what's it called in fucking uh, uh, The Boys? It's, it's girls get it done, right? Oh, fuck. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that could shit. Right. I Whatever it is, I know you're talking about. Girls yeah. get it done. Yeah, So like I that. feel like <clears throat> in terms of the MCU, like I was calling bullshit on so many parts of this film. I didn't particularly love the Kamala Khan series. Um, I don't particularly love the girl power thing. Like, I think, like, superheroes are superheroes. Like, it's a guy or it's a girl. If you're good, you're good. If you're not, you're not. So I was not, like, super, like, all about this coming into it. And coming out of it, it was um, everybody fucking played their role. You know, like Captain Marvel was Captain Marvel, Photon was Photon, fucking Ms. Marvel was Ms. Marvel. Like they fucking played their role. Like if we had to boil it down, they all did what they got to do. So I think this was an accomplishment on the on the part of the writers and the creators that fucking make this happen. Like they didn't sell us short. Like, it wasn't a bunch of bullshit. It wasn't girl power. It wasn't like, 
whatever the fucking Spice Girls song is. They're like, Spice Up Your Life. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it wasn't any of that. It was like fucking like, all right, go to war. Get it done. Like, win this fight. Like, we are heroes. Um, and as a dude watching this, knowing that my daughters are going to watch this one day, one day at some point, like, that's what it's about, is let's fucking win the war. Let's win the fight. Like, let, you know, like, it wasn't about some BS. Like, th this film really boiled down to, like, good guys versus bad guys. And I think they did an excellent job of boiling it down and then rolling it out. Um, I, I, I think it was very palatable to the fucking audience. Uh, and I think it fucking rocked. Yeah. Um, I guess we get into the negatives then here. Um, before we get into like more of like details. My negatives for this, I the singing water planet, I I, I couldn't do it. It was I thought it was terrible. I, I mean the com the comedic value of Captain Marvel having to be married to this guy and stuff like that for like, you know, to save like for face for his people and stuff like that, fine. You know what it is? It's just, and this is upon the second viewing, because I know after the first one I told Jason that that was one of the things that kind of annoyed me. I just thought it was cringy. It was the fact that the singing was in English, and then they were speaking to them in English. So I'm just like, so they can't understand it unless they sing it? Or are you? No. <laughs> you could like a different language or some shit like that, and then like, all right, fine, I can buy into this then. What the if they all drank the pink goo from the guy in fucking Thor? In uh, was it fine. Thor? No, it was a. They all drank the pink goo. They're all listening to the same language. Yes, that's fine. I would have rocked with that. Then. At least there was an explanation. This there was nothing. I, the, the, that whole that whole sequence did not work for me at all. The whole flurking evacuation thing I thought was really stupid. Also, that was something that just didn't need to be there. As much as I enjoyed the flurkins and the, the little kittens are cute and everything like that, I just thought it was just nonsense again. And the villain. Darbane just was a disposable villain that could have been any fucking thing or whatever. And I know a lot of people knock the MCU for their villain stuff a lot. That this was this was bad. This was this was pretty bad. And you're right, she was easily defeated at the end, and it was like super easy, barely an inconvenience. Let's just move on. Let's get to that. Post-credit tag, because we got to get ahead and get to that Young Avengers set up. Wait, wait, wait. Get before we get there. Before we get there. I just no, no, I'm not going the there. I, was just I saying, just watched the film. Like I that. just yeah. watched the film. Give me some, like, a little leeway. <laughs> no, Is this fine. the same chick that played Ghost? What? No. In the Ant-Man movie? No. So she just looks like her. A lot. Sure, I guess. Like, not all her. the way she looks fucking... Just like this actress that plays Ghost in this other film. It's not her. All right. And we will be seeing Ghost again because she's in uh, Thunderbolt. So. All right. We will not be the seeing The whole Marvin. movie, I was like, yo, why is Ghost like a god? Who gave her a hammer? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Again, <laughs> I, I, was, I was 10 minutes late. I just watched this film today. I was 10 minutes late. And while watching it, I was like, yo... Who gave Ghost the hammer? Why is Ghost like a god? Like, what are we doing here? Show up, show up to your movies on time, my friend. <laughs> Average MCU fan. <laughs> Don't judge me. 
Don't judge me, monkey. <laughs> um, Jason, your issues with the film, your negatives? So I, I think the biggest negative I have with the film is that it took the critique of the audience from the first one. Because what was the big critique that everyone had? Now, I don't mean that I don't mean a woman, because that was a big critique of the first one, but that's not a critique any of us had. Uh, but I know a big critique that people had was it's not fun enough. Okay, fine. I actually do like that first one. We'll get into it next week. But I think the pro bowl, I think what has been pointed out as problems, the singing planet or the 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 blurgs shit the, the stuff with the cat Orphan. that was their attempt of hey let's make this fun you know it'd be fun if we have a singing planet where everyone sings as a musical guy i like that i did think that was fun i think it lasted too long we didn't need just like hey everyone sings here that's great just follow my lead the whole dance and singing and then the guy winds up speaking english anyway and he I don't even mind that it's English, that he he's duolingual, he's bilingual, so he can also speak. It's like, so that 10-minute dance scene was extra useless. Okay. The thing with the cats, um, like, that's a problem caused by the cats and solved by the cats. Yeah. And therefore, you could literally take two scalpels, and very precisely slice it out of this movie and save about a half an hour. Like, that problem that the cat solved should have been a problem of the villain. They actually almost do set that up because they do say, like, well, she's going after everything I love. And then they jump cut to that space station and they're fi finding those eggs. And so I'm thinking, like, oh, shit. This villain's gonna like do something villainous besides just what she's doing, and she's gonna take Nick Fury out just or and that space station out just to punish um, Captain Marvel. But nah, she has nothing to do with it. It's fine, you know. And 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 so that was a big problem for me. Um, the villain, as you guys said, she was super weak. Um, and I think having her be more menacing, giving her more stuff to do, like go after that space station and be the reason those fucking cats need to save people would have given her more to do or not having her die like that at the end. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of echoing what a lot of you guys said, but the fact that she dies so quickly and that tear is like, nah, it's fine. Like, I mean, come on, none of us, how many of us did? Everyone knew photon was getting stuck on the side, the end of that, the, 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 the other end of that rift. Even Photon knew. She fucking said as much. So <laughs> there was nothing to be scared of. She knew like, it. All right, Photon's 17 of the film. She was in the right? fucking rip. <laughs> exactly. So that was a that that was a big problem for me. Um it felt like the enemy was beaten beat too quick, and then that rift was beat too quick. And like, I don't know. If you're gonna kill that enemy, something needs to be coming out of that rift. And if something's not coming out of that rift, that enemy still needs to be around until you close it. And that didn't happen. That was a bit too easy. So those are my negatives for the movie. Yeah. Tim, same thing or? Basically, yeah. The, I mean, we had fake Ronin, fake female Ronin. It had nothing to do with female, but she was just basically a, a ghetto Ronin. She was yeah. like a Ronin. Ghetto Ronin. Is... <laughs> <laughs> Discount store Ronin? Yeah. <laughs> Saw Ronan, he just didn't give a shit about her. He didn't care either. <laughs> and 
and anyone notice that the plot is basically space balls because they're here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, I was thinking that. I was so thinking that while I was watching it. So it's basically she's gotten a suck to blow. Yeah, they're, they're stealing the air, they're stealing the sun, and they're stealing the water. <laughs> and and my biggest, hugest problem with this thing, I know the word, but still, it was when he's like, "Oh, why don't you just reignite their sun?" I can't do that. Can okay, I will. Really? <laughs> it, it got from one to the other real fucking quick. I'm like, idiot! Yeah. You could have done this in the first place, and none of this ever would have happened. So that kind of bothered me for that, that that whole big massive plot point. I can't do that. Sure, you can. Okay, I'll do that. And that was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So, I can't disagree with that. So yeah, those, are my, those are my negatives. <laughs> Not even hand wave. It was just like. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rick, what were your negatives on this really, before we get into the I'm really, No, I'm really mad about Timothy's fucking breakdown here. Because <laughs> when Captain Marvel was like, oh, yeah, I can fix the sun. I was like, why the fuck didn't you do that from the beginning? Like, why wasn't this just option number one? I fixed the sun. You guys be okay. Yeah, um, then she could have went back to Earth earlier. Then and she, then she I go back to Earth where they like me and I maybe, care about what they think about me. Yeah, maybe she could have been part of the Avengers earlier. <laughs> it, uh, probably could have helped out a bit earlier. I mean... Let less people have died. Yeah, oh, something like that. Listen, maybe you know, maybe the snap never happens. <laughs> I know the way we all think about Spider-Man or Captain America in a more grand, you know, like view. Like Captain Marvel is in the ultimate grand view. Like she could fix any issue we have. If it's like, hey, the Hulk, he's smashing Las Vegas. We need somebody to stop that. Captain Marvel can put an end to that. Yeah. So like her, her involvement is always going to be like Donald Trump level involvement. So it'd be like discussing anything and be like, yeah, but Donald Trump could fix that. And it'd be like, yeah, you, you're kind of <laughs> right. You know, like maybe he might be like, he knows a bunch of celebrities. Like he might be able to make that go away. He got a bunch of money. <laughs> and like Captain Marvel's continuously in that fucking regard. Spider-Man is like Manhattan's at risk. Spider-Man, fix it. And then it's like, oh, America's at risk. Captain Mar- America, fix it. And it's like, oh, the universe is at risk. Captain Marvel, fix it. You know, her fucking risks are a whole different level. Um, and where we're at, as far as the film, as far as the universe, as far as everything... I feel like it all makes a ton of fucking sense. And anything we can't just pin on her, like, that's the gray. You know when they talk about black and white and gray? Like, anything that we can't just be like, Captain Marvel, that's your fault. That's fucking gray. It, you know, in my, in my opinion, in terms of this film and the vision of the greater universe, is like, yeah, these three chicks could probably fix everything. And then you look at everything, everything, and you're like, eh, maybe they can't. You know, maybe, maybe they can just fix, like, America's problems on Earth. 
Well, I think Jason said it to me, actually, it was after the film we were discussing this, is that it's just that Captain Marvel has the same issue as the Hulk has and as Superman has, is that they're so powerful that it's difficult to write an actual issue for them, a challenge. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, it, it just what it is. So you have to get kind of really creative and get a challenge that's bought that you can buy into and say, yes, this is a problem, you know? And we, we talked about when we covered the Superman movies, that that's an issue with that. The Hulk, that's been an issue with that. And then, you know, unless you get someone who like the abomination, who's exactly like him, then it's like everything else kind of like pales in comparison. So with Captain Marvel, it's just like, yeah, she is that powerful where it's just like, you have to come up with like fucking Thanos with the Infinity fucking stones <laughs> to like give her give this ch chick a challenge, and, and Thanos had to literally take the fucking Power Stone and smack her with it to get her yes. to barely fall back a second. She was gonna fucking end him in that scene. That's a lot of fucking power. <laughs> yes, it is. Especially when you consider in the world that we live in. I live in Florida. I own a house. I'm doing okay. I'm looking at some extra land. Iowa is fucking plus 17%. Oh, no, plus 23% on the cost per acre. It's down 17% on production per acre. The math doesn't make sense. Like, in the Marvel Universe, like, if we're going to start, like, thinking astronomically... We need to start thinking in those terms, like, what does that mean for us as a New Yorker, us as an American, at us as somebody living on Earth? Like, all of these stakes, they have to mean something to us. If we're going to buy in as a fan, what are those stakes at this point? That's where I put myself when I watch these films, when I watch these shows, where am I in the stakes of this new Daredevil show, this new Captain Marvel movie? You know, like I try to internalize it so I can, I don't know if it's enjoy it or experience it a bit more. Interesting. Um, well, I, I just think, yeah, with, well, I think that that was part of the issue is that the villain didn't really cause, and especially for the three of them together. They didn't stand the chance. I mean, this villain did not stand the chance against these three. Against Captain Marvel by herself. But they also yeah. say, but also it is said at one point where uh, it's Miss Marvel that says to Captain Marvel, like, I'm sorry I caused this whole rift. Like, you could have beaten her by yourself. And I'm the one. The the the, the uh, entanglement of the powers is what causes there to even be any kind of a challenge for Captain Marvel in, in, in the film, so. I mean, it is kind of addressed in there, but it's just the next time we see her, you know, now that she's kind of chilled and she's back on Earth at the end of this movie and she's back in you know here, she's kind of did what she has to do. She's made, made up for the issues that she kind of felt like were self-inflicted by destroying the Supreme Intelligence and stuff like that. The next issue, is she, she's got to... I mean, she does technically have some issues. One of them I was going to say is that there are some things that this film sets up and one of them is we do get Valkyrie, who helps take the scrolls, a pack of scrolls, back to New Asgard. But what does that though, mean? 
Exactly. I know, I, you're thinking the same thing because me and Jason. Yeah. So you just brought a whole bunch of new scrolls back to New Asgard, which currently in the MCU on planet Earth, scrolls are being hunted down by the U.S. government because they're like, you motherfuckers tried to take over the planet. Now you're going to die. So yeah. I just want to know where the follow up is. On New Asgard is protected. Fine. New Asgard is but, protected. It's its own thing. No, which is fine, but it, they exist. I mean, there, there has to be a rift that they're housing the scrolls that they are hunting down. Like, there has to be something. And I'm there's no way the Americans don't know that these scrolls are getting there. Of course, they have to know this. Nick Fury, Nick knows, Fury knows those scrolls are getting there. Yeah. Speaking of Nick Fury, we do get information that we finally know why the hell he's going into space and hanging out on vacation and just kind of like saying, leave me alone you know, get off my lawn, is because he apparently he started up Saber. So uh, he doesn't have S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. Now he has Saber going on. So there, we do get that information. We find some out, would say because he's a scroll lover. Some would say that. Oddly <laughs> enough, his wife is never mentioned during this movie because this movie was supposed to come out before Secret Invasion, but shit got fucked yes. up and they ended up releasing at different times, out of order. Um... Other things that are this movie, I mean, we get to find out what Captain Marvel's been doing when she keeps is never available for the Avengers. So we at least we do get that. So that kind of smooth things out, you know, for, for that part of it. Um, and the big thing that get one of the well, before we get to the mid credit scene, the big thing that sets up at the end of the fucking movie is finally an acknowledgement of the young Avengers that they're getting together and forming because Miss Marvel at the end of the movie, says that she's got a thing, which I thought Tim was was great, that they went back and it was a total callback to the tag scene in Iron Man of her going ahead and recruiting Kate Bishop, you know, to this team. But she kind of gives the whole Nick Fury, the Iron Man speech, which I thought was great in, like, a very playful kind of way. It, it was great, and I saw this idiot troll online, and it drove me absolutely insane because he was bitching about it, saying, oh... How would you know what Nick Fury said? I'm like, Dick, it's a fucking callback. It's yes. not the record. <laughs> yeah. 2008. It's a fucking callback. That's why he's like, oh, I didn't like that scene because, you know, it was an Iron Man too. It's a fucking fun callback. It's like, you got to see, these are the people that are fucking the box office up for these movies because yeah. they're morons who don't mm -hmm. know what the hell they're talking about. But yeah, as far as that, I would love seeing Kate Bishop. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pumped to see what they're gonna do with that. What are they gonna do a TV series? You think for Young Avengers? What are they? Gonna I don't do? know. I I don't know what they're gonna do with it. I I told Jason I believe that there's gonna be multiple Avengers teams, like there is in the comic books. So one of them would be not so they're really gonna call them Young Avengers, but they'll probably be you know called something else. But you know they do. Men she mentions to her, hey, did you know Ant Man had a daughter, and that's where the movie actually ends. So you yeah. see the three of them, and they've, uh, you know, throughout the MCU, they've introduced other members of the Young Avengers. So that's kind of cool that we got that kind of finally got co official confirmation of that. And while we, while we think it's cool, <laughs> it, when you really break it down, it's like it's like the Avengers sitting around going, "You know what? We need a bunch of kids, <laughs> a bunch of kids to go out there and do shit that we don't want to do." <laughs> <laughs> Children out there on the streets. Well, I mean, right now though, the Avengers. Are kind of disbanded. Like, yeah, there is no team at the moment. I mean, obviously, we know they're going to reassemble for something, but 
hey, fuck it. Kamala's like, hey, if no one else is, if everyone else is going to be dicking around, I'm going to go ahead and start putting together my own team. And that's that. Oh, nice. You did get the cup. Got the cup. Um, and the that brings us to the mid credit scene where fucking Monica is thrown into another universe here. And she wakes up and sees her mom, who is apparently well alive, and she thinks it's her. But it's actually Binary, who is a Captain Marvel, you know, essentially kind of like a Captain Marvel variant, uh, who does team up with the X-Men in the comics. Long and behold, in this universe, she's fucking there with Hank McCoy in the X-Mansion. And we get Kelsey Grammer back as a CGI uh, beast who refers to Charles, is looking for an update and shit like that. And we get a Days of Future Past X-Men theme smack right there. So, wow, wow, we wow. I mean, I know there was things on the internet. I was throwing things around, but avoided them. That was fucking awesome, no? Yes. Hello, X-Men. I'm listening. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that kind of probably is a perfect lead-in uh, lead to Deadpool 3. Because we know that the whole, like, essentially, the Fox X Men universe is there. Guys like CGI Beast. I'd love CGI Beast. I did like CGI Beast. Oh, I did too. I told Ed at the end of that movie, if they just bring back CGI Beast with Kelsey Grammer's voice, I'm fine. Yes, I love it. Yeah, I I'm okay with it. It was fresh out of the comic, fresh out of the cartoon. I was like, yo, I'd love CGI Beast. Rick, we can't hear you. <laughs> Do you hear me now? Good. It looks like watching the cartoon while watching a movie. I and that was already though. watching the movie in 3D, so it already looked like a cartoon. Yes. I that was a it. huge downside. Nice. Three. So I never watch films in 3D. There, all right. It's only four of us here. We're all friends. We've known each other a million years. I'm cross-eyed. Eddie knows this particularly. 3D doesn't work well with my brain because of my cross eye. But today I went to watch the movie at 5.05 and they only had a 3D starting. So I had to watch the particular one they had. And I watched it and I enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, this is like the best 3D movie I've ever seen. However, my problem with 3D is when I'm saying lines, I'm in focus. When I'm not saying anything, I'm not in focus. I think that's fucking stupid. I think 3D drops a huge ball there because if we're not having something shoot at the camera, everything can just be in focus. You know what I mean? I can't say very we've all we've that. all taken video. We've all taken video classes. We've all taken film classes. My associates is in film. The whole scene can just be in focus if nothing is flying at the camera. And when you watch a film in 3D, less things are in focus while the film is going on. Like, I think 3D could learn something there. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I can't say that I've ever noticed that. Now I want to fucking watch another movie in 3D and start looking for this. Yeah, if you watch one in regular focus and in 3D, like back to back, I think you would notice that most films, in a regular film, most shots look normal. But in 3D, if you're not speaking, you're not in focus. And it's like, that doesn't need to be a hardcore line. 
You know, Jason, like we're not, we're not playing Madden and you're running the ball. I didn't. Like, <laughs> we can just see everything and fucking focus this scene. Like, you can do it. You you have a camera in your hand. I know you can do it. I, I can't say that I've ever noticed that. Jason, we saw it in IMAX 3D. Um, I can't say that I've ever noticed that. I do think from, from someone who's seen it in IMAX 3D and in standard format, I I thought that the difference was noticeable, and I would probably recommend IMAX 3D if you can see it in IMAX 3D, because I thought it looked pretty fucking awesome with a lot of the space. For sure, yeah. for sure, I'll co-sign on that. As far as 3D goes, this movie is fucking awesome in 3D. Yeah. Tim, However, what, on the regular the scenes when things weren't flying around, they should have just been in focus. Okay, I'm gonna look for that next time I'm watching a 3D movie now. Uh, Tim, did you see it in standard or 3D or? Yeah, we saw it in 3D. Okay, and did you see that? Did you notice that either or? I really didn't notice. No, I was just enjoying the 3D flirting and whatever else. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, and I guess that will take us to our, our last piece of uh, last segment of the show, just a pretty much overall. So with the box office of the Marvels being what it is and the box office not really living up to falling short of uh, predictions quite often. Uh, we've talked about this online, offline, the four of us at, at various times. Uh, we still enjoy the MCU, right? We're all still on board. We watch all the shows. We watch all the movies. I think we do fully acknowledge that things have not exactly been the same since Avengers Endgame? Um, why? What, well, like, just kind of like, what is going on with the MCU right now? I think we could, I mean, did I, does anyone not agree with anything that I'd just thrown out there, or? I think, I think Endgame was so goddamn good, and that's the problem. It was too good. It was, now everyone expects Endgame every time out, and that's just not going to happen. You gotta have your your smaller movies, your 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 regular movies before you have the big one. Again, I thought everyone's on board with you know, hero, 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 Avengers, hero, 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 Avengers. You know, new hero, old hero, team up, Avengers. That's just the way it should be. And the Avengers is supposed to be the big, grand, super you know movie. Uh, people are expecting that. For, you know, oh, I gotta see Black Widow. It better be Endgame level. No, it's gonna be a fucking chick running around as a spy. You know, no, no aliens, no fucking. It's no, it's, it's a regular grounded movie. Hawkeye the TV show, it's a grounded movie, and the fact that they called Spider Man the next Spider Man grounded, like you can see no aliens and no sorcerers. I absolutely love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. That fuck that they said that. Um, no, I mean I'm on board. I mean, has it gotten? Has this last phase been a little? Yeah, it's been a little topsy turvy. I would say. But, well, I, I think more of the question is though, is kind of like. What are the reasons for it? Like, I think personally, I agree with you. Number one, yeah, I think the biggest reason is Avengers Endgame essentially caused an unforeseen issue that they reached it reached such a culmination after 20 something movies at that point and fucking crushed it between Infinity War and Endgame. And it was a year straight where we were all on pins and needles and fucking dying there with it. And then you kind of had somewhat of the reset 
for a little while. It's like, hey, we need to introduce these new heroes now because unlike the comics, these characters can't go on forever. Like Chris Evans cannot be Captain America and still look exactly the same as he's supposed to for fucking 60 years. Like Peter Parker can't have his life play out that that in that slow, slow a time for over the course of that many years. So new heroes do need to be introduced. And that's happening. And I feel like there is, it is, and I don't want to hear the excuse of, oh, they're not A-list heroes right now. Because guess what? The MCU was built on the back of who comic fans know as B, C, D, and yes, Guardians were Z-list heroes that most comic fans never even fucking heard of at that point. I would so, consider them D-list heroes. D-list heroes? As a guy... As the guy that purchased comic books in the, the fucking newsstand. Like, yeah. let's not act like the whole fucking universe knew about Captain America and Thor and Iron Man, because no. they didn't. If they people didn't know knew how much it. I shitted on the fucking uh, Guardians, they would never believe how much the Guardians... Fuck, I love the fucking series as a whole. You also had Ant-Man specifically. You had an I issue with Ant-Man. specifically for shitted on that. Because I was like, Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> you might as well do fucking the Micronauts or fucking any other fucking mask. Let's just do mask as a fucking movie series. You're going to piss him off in a second. You keep on shitting on mask. Mask sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I kind of just do think there's unfamiliarity. There's the end game hype that people are expecting every time out, like Tim had mentioned. I think that's a really valid point. Um, I do think there is not a clear cut roadmap for in like for Infinity War, like there was prior to it. Like there was a clear cut roadmap for the Avengers. We knew where that was culminating in. And after that, once Thanos was introduced, we all knew what the lack of a better term, Endgame was, even though we didn't know it was going to be called Endgame at that point. Uh, we knew this was leading to the Infinity uh, Saga, right? the Infinity Gauntlet. So we had an idea of what was going on. So each movie was like, ooh, which one was this? This stone, this stone. Like, we knew something. There hasn't been a clear-cut roadmap, because I think they're trying to take the time to just introduce the heroes on their own before giving them their big team-up or their big other thing. And I think people are having an issue with that. And I do think there's some oversaturation. I think there's some casuals, not us, but casuals who feel like it's too much to follow up with all the movies and all the shows at the same time. And as much as we love it, the casual fan is just like, wait, what, who, what, where, when, why? And they get intimidated. And sometimes they probably looked at a trailer for the Marvels and was like, who the fuck is this? Meaning Kamala Khan. Who the fuck is Monica Rambeau? Oh, wait, I know Captain Marvel. But I don't know the other two, so I don't know if I can watch this movie. But meanwhile, if you watch the movie, I think they give you enough background to get the gist of who it is. And if you want to know more, we'll watch WandaVision. Or watch Miss Marvel. But you don't have to. It's not required, I don't think. Rick, go ahead. You got something. If you watch WandaVision and you don't love it, you shouldn't fuck with the MCU. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, does anybody disagree with me on that? Like, WandaVision is, uh, it's got a little bit for everyone. 
Eddie, you know this. I was not on board with WandaVision. You hated the first two episodes. I hated WandaVision. Well, by the time it wrapped up, oh my God, I ate all that crow in a souffle with fucking like marzipan <laughs> on the side. <laughs> and that's okay. I'm okay with that. As somebody, like, I'm here for the culture. You know what I'm saying? I'm here for the culture. If Doom Patrol comes out and the first six episodes of the final season, I hate them. I'm going to fucking say, I'm going to call it schlock. And then the last couple episodes come out and they're fucking dimes. I'm going to eat all the crow and be like, you know what? Doom Patrol fucking wrapped up really nice and neat in a bow. Fucking everybody looked great. Everything tasted good. Like, I'll call it out. If if you don't start off hot, I will call you out. But if you finish off hot, I will also give you your props, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that. that's my thing is, like, we're not here for one show. We're here for the long burn. You know, what do you got? And Loki, Loki got that. The Marvels, the Marvels got that. Like, talk all the shit you want. The Marvels backs up the fucking story. Jason, what what do you what are your thoughts on this whole thing? I mean, I it, it's a weird time, right? Because I believe that uh, we are dealing with saturation. We are dealing with uh, superhero fatigue. That that's a fact. That's happening, right? I mean, superhero is, they're everywhere, right? They're in all of our media at this point. Um, I think the fact that they are trying to do what Phase 1 did after, you know, a post-Thanos world, I think that's big too. Because in Phase 1, we had no compass. We didn't know how good it can go. It's like, Iron Man's great. Thor's okay. Hulk's good. Iron Man 2 sucks. But what's next? Now we know how good it could be. So it's like, Shang-Chi's great. Um, Doctor Doctor Strange 2's okay. Oh, Thor Love and Thunder, that's weird. Eternal sucks. Well, well, where the fuck is the MCU I know? And I think that's what's happening too. Um, you know, I think, and the fact that it's been going on for so long, we're going to have changes of characters and not every fan is a comic book fan. That's just it. And And I don't think... You need to. You should need to be a comic book fan at this point to be a fan of the MCU. So, I think people who are not as familiar with the comics as we might be, yeah, they're they're like, what the fuck's going on? This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I'm into. Um, so, I get why people are having a reaction to it. Now, now on a personal level, I am a guy who knows the comic books. I am a guy who likes this stuff. I'm not. I'm okay with what's going on. You know, I, I like a lot of what the MCU puts out. Um, but I do think that, you know, something like the Marvels comes out and a third of the fan base is out already because there are no strong men and we need more strong men, guys. So that's a third <laughs> of the fan base. And then you have people who are out because 
who the fuck's Captain Marvel? I didn't read that, and and that's fair. And then you have people who are out because they didn't watch the the Miss Marvel shows, so they don't know how charming Kamala Khan is. And that's my point: is I think like because there are so many layers, you you keep the fans happy, you keep the rabid fans happy, but you run the risk of adding to superhero fatigue and losing some casual fans. And I think that is what accounts for what's going on now with the MCU. Yeah, I, I also, yeah, I, I agree with you on a lot of that too. I think specifically with the Marvels, like the box office is what it is. And I think it's a lot of things. I do think that the marketing wasn't great. Uh, I feel like they just had this hardcore push last weekend, like two days before it came out all of a sudden. Like Brie Larson was on The Tonight Show and that just got announced along with Tom Hiddleston. And suddenly there were commercials like, an Avenger returns and it's like, oh, so you're throwing out that name because we like Avengers. Avengers made a lot of money. So let's just make sure we remind everyone she was an Avenger, even though on screen, not a, lo- a whole lot of time, but we're going to go ahead and do that. And it just, I-, I don't know. Then it was like the tease of like Valkyrie, but not really showing her, maybe alluding that this could be Thor that's showing up in the movie. It just, it, it seemed like it was that. Then it was the, Right, the actor strike going on where actors could not promote their movies, which is part of the reason a lot of movies got delayed because that's a big part of the marketing. They decided to stand tall with their movie, they had to make the release date, and you had Brie Larson and you know, and crew available just to go ahead and promote this for like the last couple of days, and that was it. So, I do think that I think the Marvels is suffering a perfect storm of issues and i agree with jason yes there's part of the fan base the alleged fan base who's gonna say that too like oh there's three girls as leads i can't watch this i'm gonna go cry in my mom's basement and eat my cheetos like it's just it's crap it's just nonsense the the new trailer they got desperate they threw in captain america they threw in yes and they yes showed the post-credit scene in the goddamn trailer which is insane it is. That's absolutely because when they because again you get the nerds, you froze it, and they yeah. X. I'm like, well, you just ruined the post credit scene for me because I knew there was going to be some form of X Men in it because of that stupid commercial. Yeah. Now me, I'm Agreed. not. Now me, I'm not really. I don't care if you spoil something for me, but that was like, I didn't. I didn't want to know that. I didn't want to know that we were going to get an X Men in this movie. I did not want to know that. Yeah, as much as you don't you don't care about spoilers, you still would, it's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, well, no, especially because it, it's it's uh, if if we're gonna go hand in hand with Deadpool, they should have had fucking Wolverine instead of fucking Beast. No, Beast scene. was the perfect character to welcome in someone because Beast in the comics, yeah. Beast was also an Avenger for most of the half his fucking time. Not he was in kind of the perfect guy. Not no, because we haven't had Beast in the MCU, but we're going to have Beast now. So that's what I'm saying. I, I do agree with Jason, though. There, there's, like, this, the Phase 4 and 5 so far for comic fans have been fine. Like, we're cool with it. We get it. We've heard of most of these guys. You need to read their stuff. And for the casual, I think the, the, the casuals is the fans that are the ones that are, like, struggling with this. The casuals are... A lot of the box office, but they're also they're also going by like, and I've heard this. It's not just, I'm just making this up. They, they're they're taking like the DC movies, the ones mm-hmm. that failed, and saying, "Oh, that sucked. That sucked." Yeah. Oh, but movies suck. Correct. Away. 
One's got nothing to do with the other. I hate to break it for you. One's got nothing. Why are you comparing, you know, whatever? Be, because the fans don't know any better. Yeah, You're right. No, that's what Tim's saying. He's, he's, he's back. They don't know any better. Like, they're like, listen, I don't fucking like comic books. I'm giving you Spider-Man. Why are you fucking me over with Venom? Yeah. Why are they like, that's the casual. That's the casual. It's like, dude, I'm here to see Spider-Man. Why the fuck are you showing me Venom? That's the casual. And us, as the actual fanatic, we have to fucking acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge that there's a difference. Like, yep. yeah, we love Arnold Schwarzenegger. We don't necessarily love every bodybuilder that comes beyond, you know, behind him. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to support what uh, comic view, comic book viewership is, but then other shit. Like, come on, come on. With a lot of this Venom bullshit, fucking Michael Keaton showing up at the end of the scene. Come on, who wants that? Well, I, I think nobody well, wants I, that. Nobody, no, nobody right. actually wants that. No. Well, what I, Rick, I think what you're saying too is that it just there needs to be more consistency with it. There's yeah. been a lot of there's been of subpar films that are going out. The average fan, like Tim was saying, doesn't know the difference between Marvel and DC anyway. And Correct. They or just the or the Sony ones. Well, you're right. Or the Sony ones. And Kevin Feige has even he said for years when being asked, "What's the difference between, you know, is there a DC Marvel?" rivalry he's like no we want them to succeed because guess what that helps us succeed like the average fan can't tell the difference anyway so we both want the other ones to succeed and right now you have one side some in some ways dragging down the other in a way but i'll also admit that you know and tim i know you're aware of this too is with bob chapek running disney for a while he made these weird decisions while Bob Iger was out of town, essentially, and he just wanted content, 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 Disney Plus, feed Disney Plus, feed Disney Plus, doesn't matter. Let's just get all this shit out there. And then Bob Iger comes back and was like, what the fuck is all of this? And you have all this content out there with half-baked stories. You got CGI that's questionable at times. The connect, like Kevin Feige, you can tell, was not when he had some of his power kind of stripped and was not as hands-on with each project because also there's too many projects to be as hands-on. When it was two or three movies a year and no shows, you're like, okay, I can see that where one person can shepherd a lot of that. But now when there's like five movies a year and six different TV shows, it's literally impossible. So we heard Iger say when he came back, it was like, listen, kind of diluting the MCU brand, scale it back a little bit. Slow down. Or like you can quote Ant-Man and that. Back it up. Back <laughs> it up. And that's it. And guess what? Next year, we're getting one MCU film. There is no MCU film until July of next year. And it's Deadpool 3. And that's it. And we'll probably get a couple of TV shows. So that kind of somewhat soft reset, I think this is kind of when it's going to happen now. Is they're going to be like, all right. Let's figure our shit out. Let's figure out what's going on with Jonathan Majors. Let's correct it. 
Let's do what we got to do. And let's go back to course fucking correct. knocking out. Yeah, course correct and put out banger after banger after banger with these movies. That's and get that. all we want. But I no, think this but is nobody on happen. this stream, nobody on this stream right now, there's four of us. We probably imbibe. I, I don't want to imagine the amount of fucking pop culture we imbibe in a week. All of us want 10 out of 10 culture. Yeah. And we swear by it. So much so that we're willing to fucking show up here live and put our fucking name on the line behind, like, this is good. I want good. Yeah. Want, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's true. Good um, is good. Good can be great. Yeah. Good can be great. And if good <laughs> is great, then we get Captain America 1 and 2 and Iron Man 1. Listen. And X-Men Days Future Pass. Wow. You're really... That, that's... And uh, No Way Home. Wow. Okay. Anything else? And Last, <laughs> and last, last Jedi. <laughs> you know what you don't get? You don't get Friday nights at Freddy's. That's I get. don't get FNAF. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. No FNAF, anyone... no Terrifier 1, <laughs> oh, no Jesus. Terrifier 2. Oh, boy. Sorry. And soon to be three for you, No Rick. Terrifier 3. No, you're going to watch it. You'll be the I'm going to watch it. I'm going to pay. I don't care. It's not a 10 <laughs> out of 10. It's probably a four out of ten. I'm gonna be there. You can Thank have my ten dollars. Nice. Either way. Uh, <laughs> all right. Does any anyone else got anything to add before we wrap this episode up? Then is anything on? Did we miss any points? Maybe or not? Ultimately, we want things to get back on track. I think we all acknowledge there's been a little inconsistency now, but we think this is potentially when the course correct comes. Yeah. I'm with it. Right. Most people overreact. Yeah. The Mar the Marvels has my stop stamp of approval. Carry yeah. us forward. Go yeah, see that it's shit. Fun. Absolutely. Yes. Go, Go see it. Go watch it. Fucking have some fun. Lead us forward. <laughs> um, all right. So that wraps it up for us this week. Thanks for joining us as always and joining us on the Facebook live stream. Be sure to check out Granny's Peach's uh, Facebook group where we have a bunch of trailers and stories and wacky other shit that we all share on the on the Facebook page, so check that out. Can't make the show because it would be more than two and a half hours, which this is our longest episode in a long time now. So it's, it's long been a yeah, long time. Uh, if you're checking first. it out on X, on X, you can be sure to check out at Pop Culture Pros because that's who we are presented by, Pop Culture Pros. And on Facebook, check out Pop Culture Pros as well. Uh, Jay, uh, Tim, you got any stuff coming up you got to plug? Uh, just this week, we're going to do a Saturday morning AEW pay-per-view preview, and then next week, we're going to do some wacky Survivor Series team on Tuesday. So if you guys want to join us for that, it should be fun. All right. Any A to Z coming up? I don't know. Oh, okay. But Eric, I have no idea. <laughs> Jason, we got anything uh, going on in Double O Deep Dive, or...? Uh, no, we're on a bit of a hiatus. Jen Jenny's in a show. She's in Steel Magnolias, so... I got to coordinate with her. Plus, I've been busy, so um, we we are on a bit of a hiatus. But we will be back shortly. We we always come back for spurts. We'll we'll, we'll get her done. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and we'll be back next week. 
Uh, we'll be talking about Invincible Episode 3. And also we'll be taking a look back look back at Captain Marvel because we didn't get a chance to go ahead because last week's episode was so packed up. So uh, come join us next week. Talk to you later. Peace. Later.